Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The Michelin Le Mans Cup on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. A warm welcome to Portimao in the south of Portugal. We're in the southwest corner of this country and it's very, very warm down in this uh, area of Europe still, of course. The heat lingering on late into October. That's part of the reason whilst we're here seeking out great racing conditions for the final event of the year in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. There have been various meetings through the course of the year, including two 55-minute races during Le Mans week on Thursday and on Saturday morning of the great race. The rest of the events have been the bread and butter, the two-hour affairs at places like Paul Ricard at uh, Austria as well in the Red Bull Ring Spa and here at uh, Portimao. So a great season it has been. We've already crowned champions in LMP3 and in GT3, but there are second place is in the championship still up for grabs. We've already crowned Kessel as the entry for the 2019 Le Mans 24 hours as well, and that was the big prize up for grabs in the GT3 category. Seven cars there, 18 cars in LMP3, and they've already come out of the pit lane and are assembled on the grid. It's Johnny Palmer and Graham Goodwin, the editor of DailySportsCar.com, to take you through it. And there, from the helicopter shot, an indication of the landscape nearby, this 2.9-mile, 4.6-kilometre circuit, which is just a, a true roller coaster in every sense. Massive gradient change, the twists and turns as well, 16 corners, and all just as challenging as the rest, really. There's a great viewing spot as well from that tower uh, to the left of shots, where Graham reckons you can see about 80% of the, the circuit if you're standing on the top level. Uh, more from where, from where you've got the windmills at the top there. Indeed. It is indeed, though, windy. Yeah, it is a fabulous viewing spot from there. And uh, that young lady may be smiling holding that flag, but she's holding it tightly because it's very breezy indeed. Huge downpour overnight again, but clear blue skies above us. It is very cold out there, though, Johnny, and it is very windy. And that will have a part to play uh, in this race, I'm sure following wind at parts of this circuit but there's going to be a crosswind at other parts of the circuit it's going to make it tricky under braking for some of these cars yes uh, i suppose ambient temperature is chilly but uh, take the wind away and actually it would be a very nice oh, day yeah. but uh, because we're so high up here uh, this place is certainly no stranger to a little bit of blustery conditions so many races on the bill this weekend this is the first one that obviously we've been paying attention to but we've had uh, little caterhams racing tcrs as well 10 races in total this weekend putting together a great package of Portimao locals and the ACO. The ELMS race due to start at 12.30 this afternoon through till half past four but two hours of Michelin Le Mans Cup to get through first of all we're approaching quarter to nine local time and these cars qualified yesterday uh, 15 minutes for the GT3s 15 minutes for the LMP3s and we left yesterday thinking it would be a CD sport car on pole position, but number 30, driven really well by Fabian Leverne, has been put to the back of the grid, Graham. 
It is. It was the splitter height splitter. It was a terrible day yesterday for CD Sport, losing one car in a nasty accident in practice, uh, straight on into the barriers, I'm afraid, and that car is no more. Uh, driver in, also had a bit of hospital treatment, but is otherwise uh, going to be OK. But then the 30 car, having put in a sparkling performance in qualifying later on in the day, uh, that's position was taken away it will start from 25th on the grid behind the gt cars uh, and that is split at height so we do have johnny a new pole sitter yes and that has become yeah. tony wells yeah, in the number two car the curiacos nielsen entry and it will be tony to start that car um it was nicola morlini who had the big crash yesterday wasn't it in practice it so that was a db autosport car rather than cd sport i uh, don't apologize that's no, all yeah. right uh, just to clear that up, so we are uh, minus that machine, and we were trying to work out which one we were without prior to coming on air. That would therefore mean we originally had 26, we're now down to 25, so that answers that question, doesn't it? All the seven GT3 cars are present on the grid. And Sergio Piazzolla was streets ahead of anybody else in his session, and there are four LMP3 cars between he and the next GT3 car on the grid. So he'll start 14th overall, Sergio Piazzolla, and it will be him to do the opening stint before handing over to Giacomo Piccini in car number eight. Absolutely. We've got, uh, again, it'll be two formation laps. Uh, the race will start at the end of that first formation lap. We're going to see the five-minute board in about seven minutes' time um, from yesterday's birthday boy, Eduardo Freitas. This is the number 98, Motorsport 98, uh, Ligier, Eric Dodonka. It is his team. We'll share once again with Dino Lonardi. That car starting from 12th on the grid. And uh, behind him... There's going to be a couple of the cars that will start with their pro drivers, including Jub van Utert. Yes. And uh, Alex Capardi. We'll talk about Alex in a moment. A little bit of news from Alex. Uh, cool racing. Getting ready to go. They've got exciting news emerging this weekend. Their new car for 2019 is here. It is an LMP2 car. And they announced yesterday evening their star driver will be testing here tomorrow. Will be none other than Nico Lapierre three times LMP2 winner at the Le Mans 24 Hours. In fact, unbeaten in LMP2 at the Le Mans 24 Hours. And Nico will be joining the squad for a full LMS season next year. So in LMP3 this year, we already have champions. I mentioned this at the start of the broadcast. Jens Pettersson and Leonard Hugenboom um, sealing the championship with a round to spare, having taken victory at Paul Ricard at the start of the year in April, Monza then the following month. Uh, they didn't take victory in either of the two Le Mans races, the two 55-minute affairs. That instead went to car number 11, the machine of Mikkel Jensen and Kay van Berlo. And then Mikey Benham and Duncan Tappy won the, sec the Saturday morning race for Lannan Racing. DKR, though, back to the top of the podium at Red Bull Ring. And it was a victory for Ikuria Cost-Nielsen, Alistair McCaig and Colin Noble at Spa. But uh, the result that the number three car got in that Spa race was enough to seal the championship. So one, of the, uh, one of the real appeals for me, particularly in the LMP3 class here, is it is going to be an ebb and flow. We've got some very capable professional drivers, some very capable non-professional drivers as well in this uh, race and you are going to see uh, cars storming to the front uh, with the pro drivers starting this race particularly as I say the two RLR cars and you're also going to see some fantastic defensive driving as well uh, we've seen that throughout the season here uh, I expect we're going to see some fireworks from Ikuria Cost-Nielsen from 
uh, RLR from DKR without a shadow of a doubt. Cool Racing certainly seem to be on a roll at the moment, and then there's Land and Racing Norma, uh, which does seem to be coming on song as well. Now we've not mentioned team that uh, actually is the double championship winner uh, in this championship. Not this team, Graf Racing. You look at the 40 car now, but United Autosports. And uh, what we now know, uh, confirmed, is for the very first time uh, in the ELMS side of things, uh, the title will go to somewhere other than a team based on the same industrial estate in Garforth in West Yorkshire. Yeah, DKR Engineering have done the business. Uh, United Autosports really have got their own thing going on this one. The Garforth Cup, I'm being told that they're talking about. This is a bit of a rivalry between the three squads that we'll see uh, doing battle. So what you're looking at this morning, with two hours of action ahead of us, undoubtedly are teams and drivers that will form a key part of endurance racing in the next decade to come. Lannan Racing here from the UK, all UK driver lined up as well. This is Duncan Tappage just standing to the right of the car. Mikey Benham will start the car, enjoying his racing. He's, uh, for the first time this season, I think he's just uh, in the zone there, eyes closed. Uh, but uh, first time this season doing double duty Johnny with yes, the LMS and with Lannan here in the Michelin Le Mans Cup yeah and again I'm sure that was all part of the longer term plan to get Mikey into the LMS eventually and uh, it's a classic time to do it really the final event of the year it means that, that uh, it gives him you know the experience of one race and they can build on that then through the winter period and try and work on a deal uh, just notice as we've got the long shot down the start-finish straight. Start-finish straight is straight, but it isn't level, uh, and it also has some distinct wet patches still from the uh, heavy downpour overnight. We've had, actually, it's the UK caterums out this morning, 48 of them making the journey for their away trip this season. Uh, but uh, they're going to have to be careful. It's, uh, it's going to dry very rapidly, but uh, it was torrential overnight, and not for the first time this weekend either. No, true, and therefore I suppose everyone will be used to dealing with a green circuit early in the morning. By green, I mean uh, no rubber really laid down because much of that will have been washed away. And the grip that built up through the course of lots of track action yesterday, whether that be races or qualifying sessions, um, you're kind of resetting the, the grip levels on the track. And they're going to be different from, you know, from the racing line to the, the marbles on the outside of the bend tricky for these drivers on the opening couple of laps and particularly bearing in mind that the majority starting are the bronze less experienced pilots absolutely long shadows still the sun is pretty high in the sky at the moment cool racing again we saw it got a quick shot by the way of an additional car this uh, for this race it's uh, one we've seen dip in and out the championship from Kia Racing Danish team squad squad Cole. Pretty high up the order in the GT group. Seven cars, as Johnny said a little earlier in the broadcast. Six Ferraris, the solo Porsche. And uh, when you get a chance, take a look, as close a look as your livery of the pole setting car, the brake car. We'll get plenty of glimpses of that, I'm sure. Uh, this is the number 79 car, which will start from the second row. Kyria Cost Nielsen, two cars from this team, remember, in this race. Alistair McCaig and Colin Noble, winners t last time out at Spa, uh, will start from third position, and it will be McCaig, the 36-year-old bronze 
to begin this race before handing over to Colin Noble. Yeah, well, the team come here uh, with a 2018 title in the bag, and that's gone to Kurikos Nielsen to... Oddly enough, two drivers within the, the, the different cars, Colin Noble and Tony Wells, showing a car in the UK Championship. Second consecutive title win in that series for Noble. And he's one of those coming men, isn't he, really? Yeah, very, very busy weekends, these, for Colin, because he's he has to think about uh, two lots of sessions, two lots of free practice sessions to kick off the weekend, then two qualifying sessions uh, on the, the same day. And then often he has a Saturday evening race to do as well. It's just that here in Portugal, the Michelin Le Mans Cup event has been moved to early Sunday morning. He's going to be a busy boy. It's uh, going to... Getting ready for the rigours of his endurance racing career to come. Quick shot there of the DKR engineering car. Championship winning car against Pedersen will start the number three Norma from the front row, but not from pole position. And just getting word that it's going to be two formation laps, I think because of the change of conditions from yesterday, and therefore the race will actually start at the start of that second lap. There's a big wet patch um, around turn 16, the exit of the final corner, particularly for cars coming into the pit lane. Again, that's offline, so not the part of the track that the Caterhams were using this morning. There's our pole position car. It's the other courier cost car. Tony Wells will start the sort of hybrid livery to courier cost Red River Sports. Yes. Red River Sport, of course, the racing consultancy set up by the now allegedly retired racing driver, Johnny Molan. Morning, J-Mo. Retired from racing, although obviously he still does race cars, uh, but the main purpose for that is to support his customers. Absolutely. He will have have you know. He, He will repeatedly <laughs> uh, a little bit of gentle leg pulling for Jamo uh, but uh, yeah he'll be doing the Asia Le Mans series a very chilly looking Pierre Fion Cedric Viat the operations director of LMEM looks after this series the European Le Mans series and of course the FIWEC we'll be seeing both these two gentlemen in a couple of weeks time in Shanghai but there is, there is a lot of you know Damp looking yeah, tarmac yeah. there, isn't there? Yeah. This and could be quite tricky. Well, yeah, particularly for the first few laps as they all sort themselves out. Clearly, it's going to be two abreast down to the first corner at the end of the second green flag lap, by which point the clock will have started to tick down. Two hours, remember, but the race time will start at the end of the first green flag lap and uh, that's a scenario we can often get if two green flag laps are required here's the grid so starting then from uh, the pole position it's Tony Wells to the right of that graphic and alongside Jens Pettersen for DKR Engineering on the second row the other Acuria cost machine of Alistair McKaig and Antonin Borger for Cool Racing third row is Keo Racing of Denmark with Paul Scheusner who's again on double duty alongside Alexander West First time he's been part of the Michelin Le Mans Cup, the Swede. Mikey Benham for Lannan and Adrian Schiller for Graf are on the fourth row. And ninth and tenth, Nicolas Schatz, the many-time French hill climb champion for DB Autosport and the United Autosports car of Naj Hussein, who briefly topped the times yesterday. Adrian Trillier to start the Graf number 39 alongside Motorsport 98 and Eric Dodonka, the Belgian. Jot van Utert, watch him come through the order from 13th position for RLRM Sport and Sergio Pianazzola took pole position in GT3. Richard Mines starts the 23 United Autosports car alongside Alex Capadia. Again, someone who will side his way through the order, I'm sure. 
Brookspeed International car number four, John Showerman, alongside Jim Maguire. So an all-American ninth row there. Row 10, these are two GT3 cars. EB Motors second in that field with Venerossi to start. And it's Manuela Gosner to start the number 83 car for Kessel. The 11th row, AF Corsa's Ferrari alongside a Spirit of Race Ferrari with Swiss Christoph Ulrich to start that car. Another Kessel racing machine, number 77. We've got four rows. And then in the other Kessel Racing car, it's John Hartshorn. We are under And Fab Vern's car, CD Sport Machine, as we said, fastest in the session yesterday, but post uh, session checks uh, unearthed an issue with the splitter, and as a result, it was outside the regulations, and the car's been put to the back of the field. Uh, it's not at the back of the grid. So is he starting the car, the car from the Are you sure? lane? Okay. I couldn't see it. I just saw the back of two Ferraris. Well, it may have been put to the... The thing is, it's not, it's not a split grid. No, we it shouldn't be. Seconds to start the formation lap. It may be that we just missed the, the long, long shots. Well, there's the Ferrari with the brilliant livery it's carrying for the first time this weekend. And we're zooming out. There are many Ferraris. Didn't quite get there, unfortunately. Well, away we go. Jens Pettersson can't get away. And everyone else is going to obviously have to go past him. Now, Jens Pettersson is desperately trying to get this car restarted. If he can't get it restarted before the final now car... Now he goes, now he okay, goes. that's all right. I was about to say, if he can't get it started before the final the car, car it's by. And that's only because... I do remind you, we will have two formation laps. Leading car instructed to go fast so that you can get tire temperature. Leading car instructed to go fast so that you can get good tire and brake temperature. The car which stalled on the grid may take its position. It's his birthday yesterday, it so was. I'm allowing him to you know, steal the show. Absolutely. I think we should just move on. Let <laughs> we just sit here and watch the race. He'd be brilliant. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Jens Pettersson, had he, had he not been able to get the car started and everybody had gone by him, then he would have had to start at the back of the grid, is my understanding. But uh, now, he comes. Uh, everybody in front is going to have to be aware that he'll want to get by here. And, of course, they are weaving left to right and need to be keeping an eye on the mirrors, though. We don't want any contact on either of these two green flag laps. Now, is the CD Sport car in position? There's the 88 EB Motors Porsche. Oh. oh, and the 83 Ferrari of Manuela Gosner has spun on this uh, first green flag lap as well. Turn five? Turn five, it may well be. It hasn't yet, no, the 83 not, car. The, between five and six, but it is the exit of five, which caused troubles yesterday, didn't it? Yeah, well, that's not where the car stopped. It's just that it hasn't reached the end of the first sector on our little track map. So it's somewhere within that, I think, turn well, I five think is, is... turn five. I think we I saw on. this yesterday, that tracker... We're watching a tracker screen here. The tracker, little bit misleading. I think it's just on the exit of Turn 5. She's yes. not been able to start that car, I'm afraid. No. So, therefore, Manuela Gosner is now at the back of the field. And if she can get that car restarted, um, it have to be at the back of the grid, I assume. There's the points as they sit, then, leading into this final race of the year. Manuela Gosner doing a four- or five-point turn and is now facing in the right direction. But Kessel Racing, Sat Championship sealed, 113 points. We'll see them on the grid for the 2019 Le Mans 24 hours. Everyone else dicing then for second in the championship. Jens Pettersson is now in his rightful place. 
So running now second on the road and desperately trying to get some heat into particularly those front Michelin tyres. I'm sure calming his heart rate just a little as well. That would have been an anxious moment for Jens. Yes, championship in the bag, but you don't want to be sitting still on a grid like this, particularly not with a great big crest in the middle of it. Indeed. Another spinner further back. That's is that the Lannan car? That's yes, Mikey it is. Benham. Well, we said that the grip levels were at a premium here because of the overnight rain, and from where should Mikey be starting? Seventh place. His Norma now rotates and ends up partly up the he's, bank. He's got it back, um, and he's actually rejoined just in front of the Kessel Racing car. OK. Should be allowed to take his place back up, and indeed is doing exactly that. Watch the wet patch. Well, thank goodness. Ooh, thank goodness there is another green flag lap then yep. in order for these. Clock has started, of course, as we yes. said it would. 10 degrees um, in the air, and it feels it. 15 degrees track temperature, 62% chance of rain, it says. It doesn't look like it in the air now. You can see beautifully clear blue skies all around. But we have had mixed conditions throughout the weekend. Well, I say mixed, I mean, uh, glorious sunshine with, uh, well, pretty high winds at times. But then on Friday, uh, Johnny, an absolute biblical downpour for most of the afternoon. And with a thunderstorm that just wouldn't quit. No, that's right, and it just uh, found its way above the track. And... Um couldn't go anywhere else basically we are on higher ground so that tends to be where the low cloud or well, sometimes high cloud i suppose but hovers over the circuit and it's a real nuisance makes for some dramatic photographs as well we always get fantastic sunsets here as well which might be a feature we're heading into tomorrow night when the champions are crowned in the european le mans series we already had lmp2 champions of course it is tonight isn't it yes. see i'm in the mode i'm in the mode <laughs> I'm in the mode of a normal uh, ELMS weekend where you get uh, a Le Mans Cup race on a Saturday and an ELMS on a Sunday. But we've got LMP3 and GTE champions to crown tonight. It's going to be a long day, as we've already stated off air. Absolutely. <laughs> so, the, uh, so the Kessel Racing car, you'll see that coming through the turn there. So keep a close eye on that livery. Very neat, tidy. He's taken a bit of um, inspiration, I think, oddly enough, from a little car that races in the British GT Championship. Uh, is proudly wearing the legend that uh, they will be at the Le Mans 25 in 2019. News of another part of their programme that allows that next week. Uh, but the car bears graphics of all of the Le Mans Cup um, circuits yes, in it does. profile and looks splendid. Great effort. Um, I'm looking again at our little track map with the car numbers floating around it. It's done on predict predicted times rather than a GPS system, but the number 30 car is at the back of the order, I notice, and sitting, uh, well, not now stone last, because that's Manuela Gosner, who I think will be instructed to stay there because she fell entirely to the back of the field. We'll wait and see, though, exactly the order. But, of course, with the race started, the timing screen is now perfect, or should be perfectly accurate... Uh, and we're nearly three minutes into this uh, final event of the year. So we've had five regular, we will have had five regular two-hour races and then the almost one-hour events during Le Mans. That's the plan for next year as well, to have one about Thursday afternoon and certainly one on Saturday morning, the morning of the great race. That's the Road to Le Mans event. And, of course, up for grabs next year in the GT3 category will be a place in the 2020 
24 hours of Le Mans. Kessel Racing already victorious for next year's race. Let's see what Sergio Pianazzolo can do then from 14th position with no longer a championship to worry about. They're already knocking into each other, side-to-side -side contact there. Now, that's almost just sort of a little bit of jostling, isn't it? Like wrestlers ahead of a two-hour event with Tony Wells and Jens Pettersson making one another known that they are there. And the pace car is going to peel in, is it? Very last minute. Yes, it is. Here we go. It heads off often to that damp patch. Careful that the pace car driver doesn't lose control. And now we get to something like racing speed for the final time this year in 2018. It is Michelin Le Mans Cup racing time. One of the graph cars, the Norma, jinx out of line early doors, trying to work out how much traction there is offline. Very little, I would suggest. But Pettersson into the lead of the race, wasting no time at all there. And Tony Wells left to fight for second position. There's spinners further back, though. That's the Kia racing car and is avoided by the Motorport 98 car. But one of the graph cars also involved there, the 40 car it was, and there's been contact. So a little bit messy. Tony Wells' discretion, the better part of Valor there. Wasn't quite sure, I think, about grip levels coming through Turn 1, but he's now fighting away, fending off the 24 car of Anthony Borger up into, is that fourth position for the number eight car? It is. Uh, yeah. Sergio Pianazzolo wasting absolutely no time at all. And, of course, that can use its traction a little bit better in these tricky conditions. It's got more mechanical grip, whereas the LMP3 is dependent on the aero. And if you're not heading through the first sector fast enough going to really struggle to get the power down but Alex Capardia charging up the order he's into sixth position already in car 59 Alexander Wein dropping down at the places but the the big uh, losers on that lap as we Keo Racing, Paul Scheusner carrying damage, it looked like. The graph car of Adrian Schiller also involved in that incident. And I think Adrian Trouillet in the number 39 car. So Borger up into second position ahead of Wells and now already challenging Jens Pettersson. It's going to be Borger, Capardia and Van Utert looking to get to the front here. They're, they, they, they're particularly uh, well-rated drivers under the FI ranking system. They're going to be running a completely different tactic here. Head for the hills if they possibly can before handing over to their gentleman driver colleagues. Now we've got a lead battle crossing the line. Over the crest they go. Yellow flags are flying though and we've got a safety car. So safety car is scrambled and that will be for recovery of the cars in that turn one incident and I'm sure clearing up what looked to be a reasonable debris field, Johnny. Well, I think all the cars actually fled the scene at turn one, but what, they, what we might have is some debris in the middle of the track which needs retrieving. Yeah, yeah. So actually the cars involved, and it might well have been as many as three, all managed to escape the scene, but they are now working their way round the latter part of the lap at a reduced speed. Here's a, another look at it then, and just ahead at the line was Tony Wells. The formation a little bit tight, untidy rather, behind the first two rows, and that was the first of the graph cars jinking out of line down towards the first corner. And then did that graph machine make the first right-hander? No. no. Spun because it was very, very wet there. It was the Kia racing car. The Kia racing car took the inside line. It was wet, and when he tried to, to take uh, turn two, there was no reward. He went... of Adrian Truyer who started quite a way up the order and so we've got two pit stoppers Kia Racing's 43 and the graph car both stopping with damage from that incident but, uh, that was Paul Scheusner looking to get take the advantage of the inside line couldn't do that 
more or less kept his position, but the next time he tried to put any kind of lock on, the car just went around. Truier started 11th and he's down in 22nd, so he must have been involved in that first corner incident as well. I wonder whether we did see one of the graph cars run very wide in avoidance. I wonder if right. it was simply that and whether or not he, he's had a bit of a spin as well as a result of that. Yes. It will be, of course, wet offline. Yes, but Truier is still running, as Graham says, just the two stoppers so far, but the engine cover in the left section of that shot having to come off the Keo racing machine. Uh, they're certainly treating the rear wing with not a great deal of it, uh, respect as that uh, engine cover comes off, but oh, they built those. There's a tough thing. Yeah, that, they can uh, certainly be clonked with the engine cover several times and it doesn't really affect them. Good news for the Graf Racing team. Adrian Chiller gets away, will not lose a lap. Kia Racing. Well, that's looking a little less positive, isn't it? Yeah, although just letting off a little bit of steam maybe the damage though is on the maybe the right hand sill of that car and that'll be where the contact was made it could you, be a you radiator. About it could be a radiator yeah, it looks okay you talked about a t-bone and it was an unavoidable accident really with Absolutely. the car broadside and adrian schiller had very little cha- uh, choice but to plow into the side of that car uh, lap down already and not looking good here we go that's the kia racing car going through the wet patch and up to, to fourth place, and actually. Then, and then, yeah, it just didn't work, did it? No. Just having a quick look there, see what we could see from the 39 car. Did manage to get through. I wonder if it did make mild contact, though. Well, at least one brave marshal out into the middle of the track to retrieve those bits of carbon fibre and uh, other parts of bodywork that have been stripped from that car. The engine cover going back on again, but Kia Racing's mechanics almost look a bit resigned here to maybe retirement it was Paul Scheussner by the way that started the car and that looks therefore I'm afraid like his uh, teammate Danish teammate Johan Jörkenen will not even get to drive and he didn't qualify the car yesterday either so very quiet weekend for the 28 year old Dane sadly cars still working their way round behind the safety car being instructed to bear left from turn one to turn four, so lights are still on on the safety car. By the way, is that the deadly field? Turn one to four, maybe. It could very well it be. It may be that we've needed clear up as well. There might be some fluid down. True. That might be the reason why we've got uh, an apparent retirement from the gear racing car. Yeah, dropping fluid, lifeblood in that machine. Uh, but the safety car is going to come in this lap, so lights may well have been eliminated a moment or two ago. They're out now. And the field then working its way through turn 14 along the very ridge, the top top uh, section of the circuit. Get a great view of that from the grandstand on the main straight. And the cars sort of head along the horizon and then just drop away down the other side. But uh, they're working their way through 15 in reality. And the return leg out of 15, much lower than the approach to that corner. When... This is Jens Pettersen then coming through 16, a very quick right-hander at normal speed. We'll see them hopefully negotiate that corner at the required racing speed in elapsed time, but we've already got an incredible dice for 
third position in perfect echelon formation then. Tony Wells, Alistair McCaig and Alex Capadia. And Capadia trying to look for a way through in the number one, in the white car rather with the orange detailing. But he's got Sergio Pianazzola to try and get by. That's Jotman Utert in fact. So Capadia just in front I should say of Pianazzola. And there's almost contact in the braking area for turn four. And this is the difficulty when you've got a GT3 car which relies on its grip in an entirely different area from the LMP3s. Good driving there from the young Dutchman, Jot van Utert. He's now ahead of the Ferrari. It was a good move as well from Alex Capardia. He too took exactly the same role as the Kira racing car uh, did, but managed to keep it together and make the move stick at that point. Although I think he's actually gone back behind, has he, Alistair McCaig? In that tussle through turn five and six. Yeah, that might be the case. We'll get it confirmed at the end of the second sector. Jens Pettersen enjoying for the moment a one-second advantage. But Antonin Borger is coming along with Tony Wells, Alice Kabardia and Alison McCaig. That's your top five with Sergio Pianazzola leading the GT3 class and he has seven cars now in the LMP3 category between him and the second place the GT car of uh, Pierre Giuseppe Perazzini. Manuel Agostino, by the way, has made up two places from uh, the rather delayed start she had after that spin on the formation lap. So she's already got by a couple of her Castle Racing teammates up into fifth position. And into racing here. Dylan Borger looking for an opportunity to pass the champion. Very this is a very good run out of 15 and 16 and now right underneath the gearbox still damp even on the racing line there there was a big uh, burst of spray as for third position a change as well that's uh, Alex Capardia getting by Tony Wells and it's side by side for the lead of the race maybe a little bit of contact as well more jostling for position but Antonin Borger for cool racing will escape turn four now with the race lead and as uh, in the background there Jutvanuta also making his way past Tony Wells so it's the Curry Cost pair battling with the RLR pair new leader all in the last two corners great stuff Charging their way down to turn number six then. Oh, and a car off the road. That is the DB Autosport machine of Nicolas Schatz. Rejoining just in front of Sergio Pianazzola. And that could have been a lot worse. It's going to be worse it's going to be incident in terms of a delay. But Schatz now back on the road. Oh, it's very lucky that they didn't ca uh, catch the... The courier cost car just got it wrong on the braking there, didn't he? Yeah, very nearly ploughing into the rear of Aig, and McKay will have not, not known anything about that, but disaster averted. A good avoidance driving from the Frenchman. Meanwhile, in GT3, the fourth-placed car is the EB Motors Porsche now, number 88. So that was started by Paolo Venerossi. He shares that car with Alessandro Baccani. They're both bronze-graded drivers by the FIA. And they're in a Ferrari sandwich. Is slipping by there is a recovering Adrian Truyer. As I said, he qualified middle order, but uh, I think was involved with the original Turn 1 incident. I think that's right. I and think you took avoiding action. I may well have actually had a bit of a moment out of shot from us. Yeah, well, up to... Uh, 19th position now will be Adrian Truyer and 16th in class. New third place car, Gunfanute has gone by teammate Alex Capardia. Interesting split of strategies here between the two two car British based teams. RLR starting with their pro drivers, the Kyrgios Nielsen starting with their AM drivers. So Vanute from Capardia for third now. And in fifth, it's the two Kyrgios cars, Wells and McCaig. Target for all of them is that lead battle 
between Borger. Now three seconds clear of Jens Petersen. Down the hill comes the second place. Fire, there's contact at turn six. And that was Jot Van Uta going for the dive at the inside of Jens Petersen. But Petersen losing it on the brakes. And uh, the half spin resulted in contact to the side of Jot Van Uta's car. Let's hope that doesn't affect, again, something like a radiator. Time will tell, but Jens Petersen is carrying damage on that front left splitter now. One of the dive planes well askew. And he now has Alex Capardia all over the back of him. This is for third and fourth positions with the second of the RLR M Sport cars now getting by Jens Pettersson I don't think very happy now with the behaviour of his car after that contact and there's yellow flags at turn five because of a separate incident because the contact that I've just spoken about happened at six so presumably a spinner at five may be into the gravel trap and let's just have a look again Jens Pettersson Losing it all on his own for my money, Greg. Yeah, I think so. He went way too wide, left the door wide open. And I think he just carried, tried to carry too much speed into the turn, could not gather it up and lost the, well, the front end of the car, really. Yes, yes, under braking. Uh, the yellow flags actually turned sick to beg your pardon. Oh, I, think, I think it's debris. I think it's yeah. debris from that uh, shunt. Well, that car tally. Meanwhile, a car locking up is Adrian Trier again and thankfully no harm, no foul there. It wasn't a spin, it was just uh, late on the brakes. There's another spin, though, down at turn six. Like Jim McGuire to me. In car 22, which would be a good call. Uh, yeah, Jim McGuire running in 22nd position now after that recovery. Let's hear from Charlie George, though, in the pit lane. Down here at Keogh Racing with Paul Schoester. Paul, a very disappointing start to your race. I can see the cars parked here. Is that game over? Yeah, it's game over for us. So um, I was approaching the first turn and uh, took too much exit curb. There was still a bit dump there. Um, had too much gas spun and then somebody was hitting me. The car was still able to drive, but um, the mechanic said that the radiator is broken, so we have to retire, unfortunately. And um, yeah, it's really a pity. Bad luck. Sorry. Yeah. Paul Choyster there, he'll get another opportunity, fingers crossed, to race with the Inter-Europol competition team in today's ELMS race. That's the benefit of being on double duty, I suppose. Um, having to convince the car to really turn in at uh, 14 there, several goes at it for Antonin Borger, so proof that even the race leader is scrabbling around for grip in certain areas of this track. Top three, meanwhile, Borger, Vanuta, Capardia getting away a little from Jens Pettersen. And Jens Pettersen is going to be under some pressure shortly from the Tony Wells pedal number two, Kurikos Nielsen, but plenty of battling up and down the order. This is the Brooksbeat International car, uh, having just ceded a position to the recovering Adrien Trillier. That's 16th position, 14th in LMP3. They get themselves sorted out. We're not even 20 minutes into a two-hour race yet. Plenty of action. Indeed so, and bear in mind that each of you two drivers, regardless of grading, of driver rating, have to do at least 55 minutes. Um, and therefore, if you've got one driver quicker than another, and most of these teams have, then you want to put that driver in for 65 minutes and the other in for 55, and, and as near as you can. And there was an event, I think last time out at Spa, wasn't it, when we did an interview, Charlie did an interview with Alex Capardio, because I thought he was going to be pretty close on the drive time, and that was him handing over to his co-driver, Alex Capardio, and in the end, the race distance went to the required level, so that Ross Warburton did have, uh, did manage to tick off the minimum drive time. 
Absolutely, it's not going to be Tony Walls uh, who's going to tackle uh, Jens Bettersen the fourth. It's going to be Nico Schatz uh, because the number 28 DB Autosport cars passed both of the Nielsen, the Akuri Cost cars, for fifth position and is now goes up the inside. He's, 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 that, that damaged uh, splitter is causing problems, isn't it, for the DKR car? Yeah, well, you could say they're there for a reason and it really does keep the car glued to the, the road. But, I mean, also, it's going to be now a handling imbalance, isn't there? Yeah. Because the dive planes are perfectly fine on the right, front right, but uh, not doing their job on the front left. And worse than that, it's he's not going to have the confidence. He's not going to have the confidence the car's going to have the bites. So yes. he's having to accommodate that. Yes, certainly. There's no point in pitting because that's just going to waste you know, so much time. It's just one of those issues that he's going to have to deal with and drive around, basically. And think about Leonard Hugenboom, who will take that car over at half distance, and he'll just have to work out what the car's going to do on the fly. This is why these racing drivers are uh, otherworldly, for my money. Positional change as Mike Benham goes up the inside of the GT leader. Remember the number eight car in the early running here with the bit of chaos at turn one, up as high as fourth place overall. Now dropping back as the LMP3 cars get the tyres and the brakes up to temperature. Mike Benham recovering a little from a bit of a whoopsie on one of the formation laps too. So that's the DKR car, the orange and black, behind the two Ikurikos Nielsen cars. And it's still Tony Wells with Alistair McCaig right at his wheel tracks. These three still with a bit of an advantage ahead of the battle behind. Mike Benham leads the next train. The other man to look out for is Fabian Laverne from the back of the grid. Only a bronze driver, but already up to 10th position. Wow. And now hassling Sergio Pianazzola uh, for effectively the leader of GT3. But he's driving an LMP3, bear in mind. But that would be, if he can get ahead, then he'd have clear sight of Mikey Benham in the Lannan Racing Car, number 25, and the two Acuria Cost cars ahead of that. Well, Mr McCaig looking like he wants to get by Tony Wells here. Feeling by the look of the body language of that car that he's got the quicker Ligier underneath him at the moment. Wait and see. Different liveries, but very much part of the same team. The number three, sorry, the number two and the number 79. Number three, of course, is their next target. Yeah, so all running together, fifth, sixth, and seventh places. They're about to tick off ten laps already and as Anthony Borger did so he set the best final sector of anybody so far car number eight is being told that it must respect the track limits at turn five that's the GT3 leader turn five being the very fat well fast-ish left-hander but uh, often an area where drivers can make mistakes there and there's a gravel trap ready to expose those mistakes we've already had cars off in that kitty litter this weekend Turn 15 is also a place where track limits are being pushed to their very edge and beyond on the exit of that right-hander. Meanwhile, ahead of this battle, uh, we are having fastest sectors and fastest laps traded in the battle for the lead. It's three and a half seconds between 24 of from Jutfenitet. They're fending off Alex Capardia by another three seconds. Um. Laverne is now ahead of Sergio Pianazzola, so he's got 2.3 seconds in order to find to catch Mikey Benham next. We'll see how he goes about that. We know the car, though, has good, good speed after its performance in qualifying yesterday. A two-pronged attack here on DKR Engineering from Ikuria Kos. One car goes one way, the other uh, then trying maybe an outside route around 
Jens Pettersson. And actually, the German driver's doing a pretty good job here to fend off both the Acuria Cost machines, who also are struggling for a little bit of grip, particularly in that high part of the circuit at 14. And now through 15, maybe they can get a good slingshot run on Jens Pettersson's car, which is not as good as it was as it started the race, carrying that damage after a skirmish at six. Pettersson now, though, is in a bit more of the zone where he knows where he can trust the Norma. Looks a little more confident than he did maybe five, six minutes ago under pressure from the pro drivers. Here, though, comes Tony Wells. Is this the moment he'll take uh, an opportunity to put the pressure on the DKR man? It's not close enough to do it there. Drops back a little and into the hands of a waiting Alistair McCaig. Pendular progress for the moment for Tony Wells. Alistair McCaig, I think, will take the opportunity it was offered to go by here. Yes, but they don't want to trip over each other, obviously. And uh, now there may be another incident later on in the lap at turn 15. Yellow flag indicated just above the time there in the centre of the screen. And no car stationary at, at the moment, but no. uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Well, 51 hasn't yet reached the end of... Oh, no, it has now. So uh, heading over the timing line is car 51. But it all looks to be well for Christoph Ulrich in the fifth-placed GT3 car. GT3 still led by the number eight Kessel Racing car, championship winners. Oh, a car that's taken quite a long time well, to get through. Yeah. yeah, I think he's had a spin. That's what the yellow flag will have been in right. the final sector. Yeah, because the yellow flag has now been taken in. And the leaders are heading through that scene now. About to have to deal with traffic, by the way, because Adrian Schiller, for whatever reason, is struggling at the back of the He's carrying damage as well, isn't he, potentially? after that Turn 1 incident. Busy down at six as Manuela Gosner tries to pick her way by the EB Motors Porsche of Paolo Venerossi and gets the move done. Great little move out of six, but now he's going to be potentially balked by the LMP3 car. No, that's all fine, and turns right at eight. Sets the car up for Turn 9, and that will be fourth oh. place. Uh, the spin ahead of him. That's Jim McGuire again, I'm afraid, as the... Uh two GT cars sorted out Jim McGuire probably with his mirrors full of GT car um, I think it hit a bit of a wet patch again what round it goes I think he'll recover it from there though here comes Tony Wells another big big look at this position which is fifth place in the LMP3 category put the element of doubt in the head of Jens Pettersson a lap ago and Tony Wells darts to the inside into turn one still can't make it stick though and now he's going to be on the back foot through these corners with Alistair McCaig also wanting to get past but, but uh, all of this is allowing Benham to catch them and Laverne to catch all of them yes. this time he makes it stick up the inside this time into turn six makes that has he got the, the, the grunt to get up the hill ahead of the DKR car he does now over to you, Alistair McCaig, passing the baton to see whether or not there's an opportunity for the second career cost car to make good its escape. Different chassis racing each other, remember. That's a Ligier overtaking a Norma, but they have the same spec engine strapped into the middle, the 5-litre Nissan V8. And therefore, it was Tony Wells just getting the pedal down a little quicker than Jens Pedersen, and Pedersen's car probably not travelling through the air quite as well as Tony's. There's right. a black and white flag for car 25 there. That's Mike Benham. Gets, uh, that's track limits at turn five. So taking a few liberties, you have been noticed. Yes, and that will be after probably a few repeat offences. And from this point on, the regulations get slightly more restrictive for Mikey Benham. He'll have to tidy those lines up again for fear of uh, getting more um, penalties or a penalty. That was uh, Naj Hussain up the inside of a newcomer to the Michelin Le Mans Cup, Alexander West, Swedish driver. 
He's very welcome. He's aboard the number 65 Graf racing car at the moment, prepping for an LMP2 campaign in Asia over the winter. McCaig is now past Pettersson as well, and here comes Mikey Benham to do likewise at turn number one. So, unfortunately, Pettersson held firm in fifth position for a long, long time, but he's now lost three places. About to be four. That's Fabian Leverne from the back of the field, remember, in the multicoloured CD Sport car. And that car we know is quick. It uh, was picked up with, a, with an issue with the splitter after qualifying. That will have been rectified now, and the car is wasting no time at all. Coming through the order, Jens Pedersen's not going to defend that too heavily. That's a corner he is really struggling with. Whatever the, uh, the imbalance he's got on that left-hand corner, that's causing him real problems. He's taking a wider line every time, and it's leaving the door wide open. Well, there was drama in the spa race for Jens Pettersson. There were a couple of whoopsies in that, but uh, they ended up getting enough of a result to seal the championship. But imagine if the championship had run on into this weekend and they'd been desperate for points here because he's already fallen down to eighth position. Thankfully for DKR Engineering there and the team from Luxembourg, everything is already in the bag and they can uh, enjoy this race for what it is. But uh, struggling at the moment to do that, Leonard Hugenboom still to come, remember. So we're not even a quarter of the way through this. There's been no shortage of action. Lots of passing for position, significant position at that. Just to bring you up to date with the lead battle, it's still three and a half seconds. And it seemed to be one of those battles where, well, Jürgen Venute pops in her fastest sector one. And there's a round goes Eric de Donker, I think that is, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is, in car uh, 98. Antonin Borger pops in uh, fastest sector two. And he's gone round again in trying to recover. Away he gets... But that's dropped uh, two or three places back to the 98 car. Yeah, that car was in 14th position and trying to get by Alex West and Nat Hussein as well. They were at close quarters. Unfortunately, all that hard work done by the Belgian is going to have to be done again now. Eric de Donker sharing this weekend with Dino Lunardi, as he has done, I think, for the whole of the season. Uh, no, it was under Merrick to start with. That was at this season? It was this season, I think it was. OK. He might have done one race with Andy, um, but I think the partnership with Dino's certainly been for the last few. Go check the records, Johnny. I can't actually remember. It's been a long old season. Anyway, the uh, battle between 2 and 79 is an inter-team scrap, and that's Tony Wells and Alistair McCaig. Now up to fifth and sixth places, and ultimately trying to hunt down Nicolas Schatz in the number 21 car. The DB Autosport machine, which has had a good start. Uh, Chats nearly running into the back of Alistair McKay, you may remember. But uh, since that slight error, I mean, Chats now going quicker through the first sector than anybody else. So that car is clearly showing good speed. The problem is the three Chats ahead are very fast indeed, being the non-bronzes, if you like. Antonin Borger, Jot van Utert and Alex Kapadia. A quick look again at uh, the Donkers. Miscalculation, trying to go up the inside of Alexander West. No grip was there there. And around uh, this time... Uh, is the number 77 car black and white flag meanwhile for overtaking and contact on the number 3 car for the 79 so Alistair McCaig is getting a black and white flag for contact Andy Merrick did do one race you're right Graham this year that was the start of the season at uh, Paul Ricard it's been Lenardi ever since that was a rotation for the 77 and Schiavone left in the middle of the track so much good avoidance driving here because of this race being packed full of incident. We suggested it might be. 
with the grip levels, you know, very difficult to predict. Theoretically, much of that water should be now disappearing because we've got cars out on track and, what, 25, 24 of them pounding round, but only on the racing line. And if you are side-by-side side with somebody else, that's where the unpredictable nature comes in. Top three beginning to compress that gap. It's still about three and a half seconds the lead, but being caught now by Atzcapardia, the two leading cars. Nico Shatsu have been catching them rapidly. That kind of uh, charges rather stalled, but behind them, we've now got a good four-car battle for fifth between the two Akuria Cost cars, the London Racing Car and the CD Sport Car. Jotvenuta looked very wide indeed, coming out of 12 there, and got the car fully on the kerb. An indication of how hard Jot is pushing. 3.7 seconds is the gap. Going to be a change here. Mike Benham left the door open. The CD Sport car. He's got the position for the next turn, and is robust in defence of that. Fabian Laverne trying to get by. Uh, meanwhile, that was a bit of uh, almost contact between the two teammates. Indeed. So four cars absolutely together. Fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth on the road. This is Tony Wells just ahead of his teammate. And there's now going to be a 10-second penalty added to the 25 car uh, because of this track limit abuse. So Mikey Benham, we said about the black and white flag being waved. Well, that's the first penalty step. But the 10 seconds will be added to the pit stop for car 25. He's going to need then to make amends for that. And he's looking to do that by getting on to terms with Alistair McCaig. Here are the two RLR cars. This is the battle for second position. And this is Archipel. Yes, so the Brits tailing the Dutchman at the moment and Jot van Uta will be handing over at half distance to John Ferrano, Alex Kabardia to Ross Warburton. Always fun to watch the silver-graded drivers in the car for the first stint in this Michelin Le Mans Cup event. We've got here is the lead car, this is the 24, Alain de Borga uh, with a lapped car. Tim McGuire between him and the battling RLR pair in with a couple of spins so that's the reason why he has lost some ground inside the final 90 minutes now and pit stops to look forward to in just over 20 minutes time obviously for Jokvanuta Alex Kabari and the race leader Antonin Borger they'll be pushing the envelope a little bit beyond that beyond the hour mark to then hand over to their bronze teammates through the left-hander at turn 13 goes the fight then for fifth position. Still in the same order, Tony Wells, Alistair McKay, Mikey Benham and Fabian Laverne. There is some damage on the right-hand side of Jupp van Uyterk's car. There's something flapping about there as they now look to deal with Jim Maguire. If we get a look at that, there's something just behind the, the, uh, the front wheel flapping about on the left-hand side. I'm wondering if that's part of the reason. There you go, you can see it clearly there piece of bodywork, I think. Now, this will have been after the contact earlier from Jens Pettersen. Almost like a barge board effort there, isn't there? If that's actually causing a problem for him, or even just distracting him. Alex Capardi came very close to piling in the back of Jim Maguire then as well. Maybe didn't expect the American to break quite as early as he did into Turn 6. So that's driven a wedge again between the two RLR M Sport cars. These four having come together for fifth position now seem to be reasonably static in terms of gap for the moment. Maybe gathering their thoughts, looking for where the vulnerabilities might be. Not there. No. But, uh, Mikey Benham leaving his braking to the last possible opportunity. The car looking a little unstable under braking. I thought that might spell an opportunity for Laverne. 
Uh, but you have to be fully committed for an overtake at turn six. He wasn't quite close enough. These cars are ahead of Jens Pettersen, who's sadly going the wrong way now. 11 seconds adrift of this quartet. And Sergio Pianazzola still easily leading the GT3 category. Tenth place overall. And here right on cue is the Pianazzola Kessel Racing Ferrari. Big wiggle at turning pushing, point there. Pushing. Yeah. Yeah, there's still in indication tenth, of it. Still in 10th position overall. This is some fine run here. Bear in mind, this is not the pro-rated driver in this car. No, certainly not. But they get a better look there at that, uh, that livery, the uh, silhouettes of the Le Mans Cup circuits, celebrating this title win. And indeed, the opportunity to compete for Castle Racing for the first time under their own name at the Le Mans 24 Hours next year. No Silverstone on there, of course, because we didn't go to Silverstone no, with the Michelin Le Mans Cup, but there'll be Le Mans on there. And uh, then the other two-hour race places as well. So Ricard Monza, Red Bull Ring, Spa, and here at Portimao. Mikey Benham getting a great run on the 79 car and had to dr drive off the road there because the, the run was so good, he couldn't find the opportunity to go two abreast within the two white lines. That one, again, possibly not going his favour as far as track limits are concerned but Benham got a cracking run on the 79 car of Alistair McCaig just couldn't find a way past and as a result McCaig is now a little distant from his teammate Tony Wells three cars scrapping for 6th, 7th and 8th places exiting turn 6 a tricky corner is downhill on the approach and then you've got to get good drive out because it's very much uphill towards 7 and 8 oh and uh, way 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 off for the 51 car that's Christoph Ulrich isn't it yeah so a second issue, and that uh, was for a tussle with... Oh, dear me, that looked like a DP car. Could well have been, and uh, falling off the road at turn 12. And you do well to hang on to the car, even when you're on the asphalt there, but when you're in the gravel track, the car, the front wheels of that Ferrari, well and truly off the road, off the ground. That wouldn't have been comfortable, would it? Certainly not, landing no. back in the gravel bed. Let's hope there's no further damage for the 51. An hour and 23 to go. DB Autosport car over the line. And that car is fourth then and being just overtaking a slower machine. Jim McGuire. Jim McGuire, number 22. So Nicolas Schatz in fourth position and well clear of anybody behind and actually can't at the moment touch the pace of the three in front either. Borger enjoying a three and a half second lead over Jock Manutert and Alex Capardia. Uh, Mike Benham makes it by Alistair McKay, but seeing another 10-second penalty now. Unless that's a repeat of the first one, but I think that's a second 10-second penalty for abusing track limits. Mike Benham has got to be really careful here. Yes. Well, as I say, he ran off the road at Turn 1 almost in avoidance of uh, Alistair McKay because he got a, a, a much better run through 1 and 2 but then couldn't get up alongside Alistair McKay, so chose to run off the road instead. That's an expensive passing manoeuvre, I'm afraid, for Mike Benham. It's the, what, couple of tenths ahead of Alistair McKay is going to be translated to something close to 20 seconds behind after the pit stop. Yeah, and then it'll fall to uh, Duncan Tappy, Mikey's teammate, to try and recover that situation, which he will relish. But uh, 20 seconds to catch up is a big ask. Up the hill towards 11 and 12. Traffic ahead. And yeah, one of them is a Kessel Racing Ferrari. Yeah. 
Certainly the right colour for 77. So if it is, then that'd be Claudio Schiavone running in sixth place ahead of John's, John Hartshorn in the other Kessel Racing Ferrari, of which there are four this weekend. Yeah, Tony Wills couldn't make that stick. That's given Mike Benham an opportunity to get right behind the number two car. Well, there could be another positional change here to come, but Mike Benham goes wide again. Thundering their way through 15, and now 16. A huge wiggle for the 25 car, just losing grip there behind another LMP3 car. It was, was the two. It was the two. It was just too aggressive for Mike Benham. Tried, tried, tried to carry that speed, couldn't, and just ran out of space and grip. Meantime, up the inside, and it might well be a double overtake manoeuvre. It is brilliant stuff from Fabian Laverne. Yeah, and he takes both of the Akurikos Nielsen cars in the same manoeuvre. The, uh, the uh, look up the inside risks the wetter line into turn one, makes it stick. He now runs in fifth position. Out of five comes Mikey Benham. Let's have a look at his moment. Then was it because he was tucked in behind? No, got too close. Got and too also, close. But also he was about a, a car width off the apex of the corner as well. So I wonder whether grip was a problem too. Yeah, getting too close, it means the airflow over your car is by no means perfect, and he just didn't have the front end grip. He's still going to go try two abreast here with Alistair McCaig, though, and does it. gets the moves stuck. I think he's quite cross. <laughs> I think he's just enjoying himself with his final <laughs> event of the year. And whether the team have communicated to him that it could be as much as 20 seconds now he's got to soak up, or whether they're just letting him crack on with it, I don't know. But if, if I were them, I wouldn't at this point. No, yeah, maybe not approach <laughs> the subject until a week's time. Um, down the hill anyway, it's great to watch. And the car that looks very much like a Toyota from LMP1, almost as if that, that uh, paint scheme is deliberate, the car comes out at turn 14. Um, fastest lap of the race meanwhile just gone to Alex Capaldi it's 142.470 he's not given this up he's five seconds back from the leader but he's still right with Jupp von Utert and that is a bit of a battle between the teammates and that'll mean something to Alex today certainly yeah 0.8 in a second between Jupp van Utert and Alex and they are trying to reel in Anthony Borger but Borger's doing a really good stint and actually has opened up the gap further by four tenths of a second it's nearly four seconds on this lap 22 an hour and 19 minutes to go but much less than that to the first stop but Anthony Borger, Jot van Utert, Alex Capari were expecting those three drivers to stay out the wheel for a little bit longer Nicolas Schatz maybe likewise Schatz is the silver after all got Jack Wolf to come in the best place Norma and Fabian Laverne up to fifth place now yeah Nico Schatz did look as if he might actually uh, be something somebody to challenge that uh, lead three at one point but has dropped back a little He's not managed to match the pace of the trio ahead meantime we're watching here this is Alexander West and Derek Dodonka this is a battle for 13th position 12th in class was a battle though Damn. another Norma versus Ligier battle too down that uh, reasonably longish straight between 5 and 6 you certainly need to get good power and uh, straight line speed out of 5 and that's the reason why so many drivers have been risking the lap potentially out of 5 in qualifying a number of spinners to the gravel trap there which brought out session stoppages Avoid the kerb at uh, the right-hand at nine. There's a very large sausage kerb there, which unsettles the car. Through ten, which is full commitment. 
down into a bowl and back up the other side and then around 11 and 12 great circuit there's a really nice venue to end the season at as well I'm delighted to see on the 2019 calendar we're coming back here there's also a round not very far away from here in Barcelona well it's a fair distance in, to be honest but in a neighbouring country and there are some Spanish outfits that I'm sure delighted that's been added to the calendar Absolutely, too that's right it's great to hear by the way the driver's briefing for the Le Mans Cup Eduardo Freitas describing in his own words this circuit the joy actually if you will enjoy that corner oh this bit's thrilling it's you know it's not the kind of language perhaps sometimes you expect to hear from a race official but it's very clear that uh, proudly Portuguese Eduardo loves the Algarve International Circuit as I think most of these guys do too it is a fabulous place to come racing Ferrari on Ferrari action here this is the battle for fifth position in GT3 the 51 Spirit of Race car Christoph Ulrich, he's had a bit of a spin, he had that uh, wild moment across the gravel, is now under pressure from Claudio Schiavone, who himself has had a rotational woe. Yeah, but uh, again, a learning process for many of these drivers. Oh, yeah. I'm sure many of them will be planning a second season or indeed a third in the Michelin GT, uh, GT3 um, division or the LMP3 as well. And it'd be nice to see some more GT3 cars, certainly, in 2019, and maybe a little bit more variation as well. The majority of the cars are Ferraris in this event with just the one Porsche from Italian outfit EB Motors. Well, here's one of the, um, the, the, the points that's often raised. There's, uh, of course, a, an auto entry in GT3, not for LMP3. It's a positional change there. The graph car up the inside and ahead of the United Autosports uh, Ligier. It has been a success for the ladder system. Year one, an all GT3 encounter, uh, stepping up to GTE, uh, earning a the LMS, and now a full flow WEC team. Mm. Year two, with EV Motors and their Lamborghini winning the title, they're now a full LMS. Uh, entry with a Porsche and Castle Racing making it clear that they've got plans to step up too so you know it has been a success in terms of what it's there to do the numbers may not have always been that impressive but in terms of building a customer base in the higher level championships it's been effective yes and you can plot the line you can plot the process for those teams and you know there is clearly an end goal which is to be at Le Mans and ideally part of the ELMS maybe even World Endurance Championship in due course too and it might all spring from the acorn laid in the Michelin Le Mans Cup so yeah I understand uh, the reasoning for it the GT3 element of it always generates uh, great racing though as well and uh, seven cars is a good number but we get uh, a lot more during the Road to Le Mans event oh, and really? that's treated as sort of a, a one-off event basically in those two races and even that has had a positive effect remember it's uh, Mike Benham and Duncan Tappy's first introduction to this championship was with the Le Mans races in a McLaren GT3 car now here they are back as full season entrance in LMP3 and every chance we'll see them back again for a second crack at it lap 25 now and the lead is 1.4 seconds. That's, so. that's one of the last two or three laps, and that's come courtesy of an improvement in pace, uh, in pace from Yvonutets. Mm. Uh, he also managed to just edge away a little from Alex Capaldi, a 3.3 seconds a gap, but still five seconds between the three of them. Yes. 
Yeah, not too much real estate at all, but 3.9 seconds was the gap. Borger back to Jop van Uten. I suppose, Dan, that Jop has dropped Alex to an extent. He's been able to concentrate on the road in front rather than the road in front and behind. And that focus then, trying to reel in Antonin Borger, seems to be paying dividends now. Not quite in touching distance and not quite in the toe, but in a few more laps, that will be the case. We're then going to get the baton passed, of course, the gentleman driver part of the equation. And the whole idea of this split strategy, putting the pros in first, is to give them a gap to defend. Fabien Laverne, very impressive from the back of the field, now up to fifth spot in the CD Sport car. And Fabian is the bronze, remember. Laurence Hur, silver, 21-year-old German, still to come in that car. Some overlapping up the hill towards turn 14. That was an LMP3 car getting by Paolo Venerossi in the only Porsche in the event. And Juliet, meanwhile, now looking to deal with Jens Petzl, who's dropped all the back, way back to ninth position now. The uh, damage suffered. Indeed, drops to tenth. Juliet through. Deals with the lapped 51 car without any drama whatsoever. So Graf number 59 car up to ninth position. Eric de Donca, 39 car, uh, yes, up to 10th. Well, that, yeah, there was still a bit of mystery around Adrian Trouillet's uh, travails, but all stemming from that first corner incident. And ever since then, it's been a recovery drive for Trouillet Jr. He'll be handing over to his dad for the second part of this race. The other car that's having to do some recovery work now, Eric de Donca, after an earlier spin. Car 98 is ahead of Alexander West. Still getting more used to that Norma M30 prepared by Graf, car 65. So Alex the Swede is 14th. He's ahead of Richard Mines for United. Was there a change here? Yep, that's uh, Mike Benham going up the inside of Tony Wells. And Wells, uh, sort of deja vu moment, now under pressure from Alistair McCaig again. This time, though, it's for seventh position with the Lannan car and the CD Sport car having made their way by the rolling roadblock for Normas that has been the two very effectively pedalled the career cost Nielsen cars Keig looking again yeah, Keig trying to get by Tony Wells for 7th position this time Wells of course the other 2018 UK LMP3 champion together with Colin Noble another across Nielsen efforts with a lock up on the way as he went up the inside of the lap Ferrari gave McCaig all over him and now we've got half a second in the lead battle Jupp van Utert is 0.541 of a second back from Borger and that is coming with good pace from the RLR man yeah good consistency as well which maybe hasn't been offered by Antonin Borger over the last few laps a little bit of indecision there maybe from Antonin Borger as to which side of the United Autosports car to go at turn 12 so that's probably brought the gap down by a smidge again, 0.6 of a second it was at the end of sector 2 and very late on the brakes there was Jot van Utert. So there is a, an idea of how hard he is pushing to almost, bring that gap down. Almost reversed it in there, didn't he? Yeah. Something we like to see. So over the timing line they're about to go. This will put 27 laps in the book then. And we are now just four and a half minutes away from the pit 
lane window effectively opening. Much more flapping now, I would say, from Yopanotad, or is that about what it's, it's been doing? It's about the same. Nine okay. tenths of a second across the line with behind them, four seconds further back is Alex Capardia. So it's still five seconds through the three, but the mover has been Yopanotad closing the gap to the lead. Bet against him, actually, finishing his stint from the top of the timing, timing screens. Overlapping at turn six, that's a Graf car overtaking one of the Kessel Racing Ferraris. They'll be have to be mindful that the leaders will want to get by pretty soon as well. It is indeed the barge board, by the way, it has been broken at the bottom end. On the Yotmanuta car. That would have been uh, from that clash with the DKR car at turn six. So through eight and nine, nine much tighter right-hander. And then through ten and eleven with... Grandstands at the top of the hill there for a great view across the whole of the circuit. Oh, way off the racing line there was Antonin Borger. That might be with an eye to stick a lap on this Ferrari. Make sure it's off the racing line, which it can do oh, now. He's off the track. He's, he's off, off the, the track. track. That's surely Jotmanuta's opportunity. Antonin Borger going completely the wrong side of a Ferrari. He'll rejoin in second position, but Jotmanuta thought, well, can it be as easy as this? Yes, it really can. He's only managed to keep second because uh, Alex Capardi has been delayed behind the lap car. Otherwise, he'd have lost one and two there. That was a miscalculation from the leader. Looked to position himself favourably to get by the Ferrari and defend from the Utvenute, but was in completely the wrong part of the track. Well, I thought it was a strange line, I have to admit, into 12, and then just got more bizarre into 14, but he was forced to make a decision, basically, to go up the inside of the outside of the Ferrari, and it's sort of diminishing returns, really. That was an odd decision to go wide. And the problem is, once you're off the track to drivers right there, it is very much off camber and the road drops away. It's a bank Thank turn there. Yeah, thankfully not into a gravel trap, so at least there was some grass crete there in order for uh, Anthony Borger to recover the moments, but lost a load of time. And Jot van Utert took the perfect racing line. The Ferrari, in fairness, was doing a good job of staying Absolutely. off the racing line. Uh, but uh, one LMP3 car one side, Anthony Borger and Jot van Utert up the inside of the Ferrari to take the race lead. So, change of lead for the first time in the well, best part of an hour. And Jokvanuta then now 2.3 clear of Antonin Borger. Alex Kabardia a further 3.2 seconds back. And Nicolas Schatz uh, further down the road for DB Autosport. Three Ligiers and then three Normas because Fabian Laverne from the back of the field and Mikey Benham running fifth and sixth. But bear in mind, Benham is going to have a significant penalty to soak up when he visits the pit lane. Yeah, we've still got, by the way, 13 cars on this lead lap after 54 minutes of racing, and 54 minutes of racing with three very quick guys at the front of it as well. Jutvenuta appears to have pressed escape mode, and uh, another bit of a fishtail this time for Alistair McKay, keeps it nice, down under control though, and will give himself a good run up the hill in his continuing quest to see the front end of his mirrors of Tony Wells. Not something he's managed so far in the race. It's been just an almost nose to tell throughout between the two Courier Cost guys. Yes, it has. And uh, sometimes it's been for fifth position, sometimes sixth. Now it's a seventh. They were higher up the order, of course, having started second and third places. Uh, well, well, the first and the third it was, wasn't it, with Tony Wells from pole position inheriting that pole after Fabian Leverne's car was put to the back of the order. 
Laverne charging on into fifth position now, and he has his silver-rated teammate still to come, Laurence Hoer. Let's see where the number 30 car ends up, maybe on the podium. Out of 15 comes a four-way dice. One of these cars, at least one of these cars, is not on the lead lap, though. Or maybe they all are. Uh, no, that's, uh, that is a graph car, I think, ahead. That they are catching, yes. Yeah. So the graph yep. car is about to go a lap down to Mikey Benham, who is sixth, Tony Wells seventh, and Alison McKay in eighth position. It's the 40 car. It is. So that is Adrian Schiller. Has not made that much ground up, Adrian, has he? No, no. Well, again, that might be front splitter problems, not giving the car the downforce it requires. Can't see damage no, it looks, on it. Looks okay no. from here, but whether or not there's something that's taking the edge off. But uh, he's now he's got between just for a short moment, at least the Akuri Cost car that the cars that gives Tony Wells a little bit of respite from the snapping Westy Terrier that is Alistair McCaig. Well, we've already got pit lane visitors because we've reached that magic 55-minute marker. So cars coming in include the DKR Engineering Championship winners, but Jens Pettersson, sadly his car too badly damaged to be at the races now this afternoon. Jens is going to get out and Leonard Hugenboom will take that car over. Likewise, the 32 United Autosports car is already in. Motorsport 98, LMP3 car along with the 65 Graf and the 23 United Autosports car. Neither of the two GT3 leaders, though, have chosen to pick quite yet. Uh, Anthony Borker there, uh, a spirited run back towards uh, Jupp van Utrecht, up the inside of the GT leader, then a big lock-up, having used all the available space and possibly just a little bit more. But uh, he's just a second behind the leader now, so he's recovered his momentum. That's Capaldia still 3.3 seconds behind him, lapping it around the same pace. Manuela Gosner brings her Ferrari in and is about to hand over to Giorgio Sergiotto, who is a regular driver in the Cetelavi Lorba Corsa team, of course, in LMP2 these days in the ELMS. There is the 83 car. One mistake from Manuel Agosta, but other than that, a very, very solid first effort in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Here comes car. the 30. Yeah, up on the dollies briefly there to get it straightened up because it came in with a car already in the pit stop, or already in the pit box just prior to it. Second batch of cars to stop are all the cars from 6th through to 9th. It's CD Sport, both the Akurikos Nielsen cars and the 39 Graf. So Alex Capardia looked to be a little bit off the road coming out of 16 that time around as well. That was in avoidance of a Ferrari, but needs to be careful as far as the track limits are concerned there. It's Alex still with the fastest lap of the race, by the way, set on lap 21, which was a 142.4. Battle for the lead. It's almost nose to tail now. That is likely to, to allow Capardia to get a little bit closer. Top six, still two pits. Sixth place car on rotation now. And we've got the order of some of the other P3 cars stop. And there's less a change with the lead. It's going to be mighty close because that was John Fernote going very wide. Has the line. Has he got the pace? Has he got the grip? The problem for Antonin Borger is that all these corners are right-handers. Oh, great stuff. Great Jot, stuff from this pair. Jot van Uta gave Antonin Borger no space on the exit, something he's perfectly entitled to do. 
and therefore Borger could not make the move stick. Out of 10 they come, and Jotvanuta is all over the road there. So, look, grip seems to be at a premium now for the Dutchman. These are quick laps, though, because, of course, most of the field is in the pits. There's no traffic right now. Yes, true. I just wonder whether Jop is now paying for that underfloor damage, and maybe the car isn't behaving as he is expecting sideways for the 77 mm, as it left and that won't be that officials don't like that sort of thing not in the crowded pit lane and still Pacini. still nibbling away at the rear end of this this is good stuff the lead absolutely half a car length in it now they're oh. almost overlapping no, as Vanuta is pitting so well that's reasonably early for Jot Vanutert and maybe there's a plan maybe there's a strategy to get him out of trouble realising he's probably losing time by fighting with Antonin Borger so Borger back to the lead of the race. Kapadia is only a second and a half back now with those two battling away. Yeah, yeah. So this is close to. We are 30 seconds away from a substantial proportion of the available audience realising that they've missed the first half, the first hour of the race with the clocks going back. We've got drama here for the DKR engineering car. This should have been sent and there is a battery pack resting on the side pod there. So maybe power issues for the number three car meanwhile Jot van Uten's car this should still be in the pit I can tell yeah I think that's correct Kia racing out of the race very early on sadly we heard from Paul Schleusner earlier with Charlie George three cars remain in the pit lane they are the 40 Adrian Schiller car four cars rather so Jot just come in the 40 car from Graf the number three DKR engineering car they're nursing some drama and then the Kessel Racing Ferrari number 50 finally there was a change of position between the two Ikuri Cost cars and it comes moments after they rejoin the race with the pro drivers now aboard James Littlejohn ceding the position to a charging Colin Noble in the more white of the two the courier cost cars there. Yeah, the, probably more, well, the more recently uh, uh, courier cost colours. Red River Sport colours on the other. The two car. John Ferrano waiting for the time to elapse for the pit stop. Team manager of car 77 is Pacini is being called race control. That will be for that rather spirited getaway. I have no doubt at all. And the car that's tailing the two Ikuria cost machines looks to be Nicola Schatz in the DB Autosport car. Nicola yet to pit, and that car could be as high as second position if uh, Nicola st stays out. Um, the danger is, if he doesn't pit on this lap, might be running out of time as far as the pit window is concerned. So Borger in the pits for the driver change. Schatz has stayed out, I reckon, heading, yes, through turns three and four. Bearing in mind, of course, the race distance is very likely to be just over two hours, and it's all about drive time, not about a set pit lane window. So even if you do pit just outside the that sort of ten minutes, between 55 and 65 minutes, might still be OK as far as the drive time is concerned. I always think it's a bit of a dangerous game to play, really, because you never know how much time is the extra at the end of the two hours. But Alex Capardi and Ross Warburton made it work last time out at Spa. Leonard Hugenboom is stepping out of the number three car, and that might be Done. that for the championship leaders. That's that's not uh, a good way to finish a championship. championship winners, winners, I should fact. say, yes. Out comes John Ferrano, having taken over the number 14 car from Hufanute, brought the car in almost from the lead. 
lead changing as he dipped into pit lane. So that leaves us with Alex Caparia leading, Nico Schatz in second, Mike Benham in third as the only cars not yet to have stopped. Yeah. Well, uh, they're okay to pit on the next summer round. That will be at the end of lap 34. Caparia out front from Nicolas Schatz and Mikey Benham. And despite them being championship winners, they uh, still got very much down faces there because they're here for the one-off races as well. You know, they want to be victorious in every single event. You want to be thrown in the pool at the end of this one, don't you? Of course. The unique swimming pool in the paddock here. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's a young man that just wants to go racing, and why shouldn't he? Yeah. It's a fabulous little race car. They've been very successful this year with it, and uh, just takes the edge off as out goes the number 24 car. In comes the number 59 and the number 21. I've no doubt Mike Benham will follow in too. That's way, way wide from John Ferrano, though. Yes, uh, so Ferrano taking over the number 14 car. Should, well, it's going to be close. The 24 car leads the race by the look of this one. Uh, what? Well, sorry, Mike, Mike Benham will lead the race. And the 24 is going slowly. I reckon. Not very quick, is it? There, no, not very quick at all. So, car 24, former race leader, now in the hands of Alexandre Quani, who's taken over from his uh, teammate oh, Anthony trouble. Borger. Very slow. So, Quani, this is is this an outlap for Quani? Yes, it is. Yep. So, the two Swiss drivers, the regular cool racing pilots, and the Iraj Alexander back with him in the LMS this weekend too. But this outlap should be much, much quicker for the number 24 car, which led the race on two separate occasions, turning left at turn six. There is an issue there with the car maybe needing to be recycled. But at the moment, Kwani's priority is just to get the car back to the team, back to the pit lane. Mikey Benham's pit stop is going to be very long indeed now, because this is where the penalties for the track limit abuse will be enforced. Yeah, pitted from third position. So 24 has not picked up speed. Now being overtaken by a pair of GT cars. Now that's... Is that the 88 car? Oh, sorry, the 8 car about to lap the 88. It must be. That's about right, I think. Uh, car 8 is currently negotiating lap 34. And yes, the Porsche is a lap behind that. Alessandro Bacani. So Giacomo Puccini leads GT3 in car number eight. Second is now Marco Ciocci, who's taken charge of the 71 Ferrari from Pier Giuseppe Perazzini. And third in GT3 is uh, Giorgio Cernagiotto, the 36-year-old Italian, having taken over from Manuela Gosna in the all-red 83 Ferrari. That's the top three in GT3. But yes, Alessandro Bacani about to go a lap down. In fact, probably that's already happened now. Oh, no, not quite. No, I don't think not it quite. is. I think what it was was it was the eight cars on his outlap. I think he's at the other end of the lap. I okay. think that's what it is. Now there we go. That was one of the RLR M Sport cars crossing the line. Well, Bacani's not yet a lap down, but he's coming out of turn five now, and the eight cars at turn four. So there really isn't much of a distance between them. We haven't seen the Lapri take place quite yet. We're not far away from it. Uh, the 24 car has not pitted. So is it Justin being incredibly careful on cold tyres? Well, he's about to lose a place to John Ferrano. 
I think it's just cold tyres, Johnny. Maybe. Well, it is very blowy out there, and I'm imagining tyre temperature will be very difficult to get, and tyre pressures quite possibly too. So, John Ferrano goes through. I think it's going to be quite tight here. Who is getting the lead of this race as Ross Warburton is on his way out of the pits? Yeah, so race leaders rejoining, and Ross Warburton and Jacques Wolf came in. Well, those cars came in as the race leaders. Let's see. Ross Warburton is leading the race. Yeah. Uh, by dint of a much quicker pit stop than uh, it was a long pit stop for the 14 car. Well, and, oh, uh, there, was, oh. there was a part spin there for Ross. the Ross Warburton car, number 59. Well gathered up in the end, out of turn four, and he was able to go through five without too much of a delay. Ross about to come across the line then, 35 laps done. That confirms that Ross Warburton leads the race, and then where is the 21 car, which should be next across the line now? 8.3 seconds is the gap. There's then going to be a further 15 or so seconds before we get to John Ferrano, who is under press pressure for Alexander Quagny in the cool racing car. And the 8 car in GT3, still not quite lapping the 88, but Giacomo Puccini, bear in mind he is a gold-graded driver and trying to lap a bronze in the form of Alessandro Bacani. So shortly we'll have only G uh, three GT3 cars on the lead lap. Curry Cross pair. They, I think, are the cars to watch here. Oh, and the 24 car has stopped. Well, it spun as a result of maybe the tyre problems. Was there some contact, maybe, or did it go around all on its no, own? It did get contact. It, it, it turned. I'm not quite sure what the Ferrari was expected to do there. Turned in too sharply. Mm. He's gone to escape that, and has he got the car running? He's in trouble. This is at turn four, and there is the CD Sport car then. Heading now through four and five. And having, well, heaped praise on Fabian Laverne, are we perhaps saying that Lawrence Herr did the opening stint then? Because Herr should be quicker than Laverne. Or will that be adjusted in due course to show that it's the German driver now at the wheel? We'll wait and see. But the CD Sport car had been hustled up to fourth position by this point and is still showing driver one at the wheel for the second stint. 51 minutes to go. Here comes Ross Warburton out of turn 16 to uh, stick 36 laps now in the book, and the gap is coming down between he and Jacques Wolf in the best of the normas. It's now just 3.8 seconds, and Jacques Wolf will be one of those cars now. Uh, in fact, it's that car, the DB Autosport 21 machine, white, black, and red car with the red fin. And it is hunting down then Ross Warburton for the lead of this final event of the year in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. So behind him, John Ferrano is catching both. Behind that, Fabien Laverne is catching all three. And behind that, Colin Noble is catching all of them. <laughs> this is what we like about uh, multi-class racing, yes, but also utilising drivers with differing experience. And, of course, you can either put that driver in for the start or the end of the race. Different teams trying different strategy and it's fascinating to watch it all in the same melting pot. So RLRM Sport from DB Autosport, then the second RLR car, then the CD Sport car. The two Ikurikos Nielsen cars are rapidly catching the lot of them. Cool Racing dropping back as a result of that rather troubled entry into the race from Alexander Poigny. And then we get into the Graf cars, 39 
Uh, Trouillet is also a man on the move. Colin Brown, by the way, in the lead car in the United Autosports car, is uh, ninth position and going quicker than anybody else on the circuit right now. Three cars together include the 88 EB Motors Porsche and tucked in behind a couple of LMP3s, one of which is a Graf Norma. That will be, I think, the 40 car with Danny Lou now driving that. That's Mark Anton Danny Lou. who's a 65, I beg your pardon. And that is now in the hands of Damien Delafosse. Can explain, by the way, why the uh, 14 car was delayed in that pit stop nearly 30 seconds with thanks to Jeff Carter in the media room uh, because we said about that barge board flapping away carries the number they had to repair it okay uh, that, that was a risk losing the number board so that's cost RLRM sports well actually an opportunity they should have led that race on pace the uh, the difference in the pit stop time rather more than the gap on the road so it'll be a pretty fired up John Ferrano I'm sure meanwhile overlapping this time between 64 in England in the 23 United Autosports car. Neither of those two can get by the 88 Porsche of Alessandro Baccani. This is the lead battle. Yes, it is. At the inside of Ross Warburton goes Jacques Wolf on the brakes into turn six, and that is the race lead bagged, at least for now. We've got the race leader and the GT3 leader in the same shot. In fact, the GT3 leader looking to see what he can do about getting by Ross Warburton here. Just looking at what the... Uh, in fact, he's quicker at the moment than Ross. And he's going to go by. And this is Christian England overtaking Damien De La Fosse. Hard on the brakes into turn four. And careful not to run into the back of Bacani's Porsche. Meanwhile, clenching of the fist there for the guys down in the Inter-Europol pit. But not in, of course, they're not part of this race. Merely sharing the space with the Polish crew. Let's hear about the dramas then in the first stint from Jot Van Uta with Charlie George now. Yeah, and down here at RLR, I've just actually had to grab you from the autograph session for ELMS because he's on double duty this weekend. How was that stint for you? The track conditions look a little bit tricky. Yeah, the stint was mega. I had a good start and I was able to pass quite a lot of cars. And then uh, that nice fight with Alex and also with Borga. And yeah, it was just a lot of fun to do and a good practice for this afternoon's race. The uh, track was still wet in some places, so it took... Yeah, it was tricky out there. In some corners, you always had oversteer sliding because of the damp patches, but yeah, it was fun. We saw you were carrying a little bit of damage. Was that causing you any issues? Uh, Driving-wise, not, but then we had to repair it here in the box, and that costed us 30 seconds, so it brought us some issues in that way, but it was just a touch with Peterson. I think he didn't saw me coming because I was like pretty far along in uh, but he was probably not expecting that launch in turn six but yeah that happens but hopefully it doesn't happen in this afternoon we'll let you get back to signing your autographs thank you thank you very much got Venuta from car 14 uh, it wasn't really the case that Jens Pettersson hadn't seen him coming it was Jens Pettersson losing the car on the brakes wasn't it yeah well certainly not have seen that replay yet which is why there's possibly some confusion there what is a Norma my side pod uh, but uh, yeah watch for some news in the coming weeks uh, for what happens with Jörg Venuta that is a young man in some demand in this paddock um, significant demand at that quick replay here of the move for the lead of the race up the inside from the DB Autosport car, 21 leads the way, pulling away. Now, 4.8 seconds ahead, by the way, of 
Ross Warburton. Ross is going to be under some pressure in about two or three laps time from John Ferrano. Uh, but behind Ferrano, there is a pack of cars beginning to mass. About 30 seconds back to Neil Alvura in the 30 car in fourth position. But behind him, it's a second back from Colin Noble catching Neil Alvura. It's 4.4 back uh, with a bit of traffic for uh, James Littlejohn. Alexander Coigny seemed to have recovered a little. He's now just behind there. And then Colin Brown with a bit of a, uh, a mountain to climb to get onto terms with Coigny. But I think he'll do that before the end of the race. This is going to compress really rather radically over the next 45 minutes. And this could be a bit of a grandstand finish to the season. Dino Linardi catching Eric Truier for ninth place as well. So 10th position and first position set to get closer to one another potentially we'll find out uh, in the sort of vice-like grip who are the winners and who are the losers then you always get this natural condensing of the field in the latter portion of these races Giacomo Pacini has been handed a terrific situation in GT3 and it was ever thus through the course of this season all down to generally speaking the Sergio Pianazzola performance against his fellow bronze graded drivers in the stints and Sergio Pianazzola sets that number eight car on course for its fourth victory of the season. Marco Ciocci trying to keep his head above water for second place. It's, Sergio, it's uh, Giorgio Cernigiotto for third position in the 83 Kessel Racing Ferrari in GT3. A pit stop under investigation for the number 30 car of Lance Hur. So CD Sport car running fourth at the moment but that stopped now being checked by the officials for whatever reason and we're concentrating for the time being on the battle between Eric Truier and Dino Lunardi Lunardi with a tighter line through turn five this will get him, uh, give him a great straight line speed now between five and six and surely the opportunity to overtake no because better on the brakes later on the brakes Eric Truier sharing with his son again this weekend and Dino Lunardi, who's taken that car over from Eric de Donca, the 40-year-old Frenchman, having to wait and see. The 30 car with more drama, so the pit stop is under investigation, and Laurence Hur now runs wide. Also, the Brookspeed International car is off the road. Car number four being driven by Nico Ronde, and the rear wheels in the gravel trap at 12. That's a bit of, there was a good run to that point from the, the Brookspeed car. Is this... That was contact. It was contact with Colin Noble by the look of it Noble also in a run through the gravel did he make it out the other side I can only assume he did he's, lo he's lost a position because uh, James Littlejohn has gone ahead of him it's yellow flag at turn 12 but uh, it wasn't turn 12 though was it something else going on there uh, no that was 12 that, uh, the, the incident with um, oh, misidentified by the 79 apologies. yeah the four car is uh, in the gravel at 12 and it's going to be a full course yellow to get that car retrieved and that will start in 20 seconds time so hopefully it won't take too long out of the race here full course yellow. Eduardo will count us into the full course yellow then in now in just 10 seconds 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2 one, full course yellow, full course yellow. And this because of Nico Ronde's car that is off the road at turn 12, needing to be recovered after a clash with the 79 car of Colin Noble, who as a result has lost some ground, as Graham mentioned. The two teammates were together, uh, James Littlejohn and Colin Noble, but they're now separated by nearly 
two seconds. Hopefully this will be a quick recovery, but it gives us an opportunity to have a look back at the highlights of the race so far. We've had nearly an hour and 20 minutes of it. A beautiful day here in the southwest corner of Portugal, but it's very, very windy, and that, I'm sure, is having its effect on the car's performance in this race, whether they be LMP3 or GT3. A dramatic first few laps. We had an extra green flag lap to make sure everyone was used to the conditions, but I'm afraid into turn one a spinner, and then some contact as the... Uh, machine got T-bone there. That was the Keo Racing 43 car of Paul Scheusner. And sadly, Paul's race ended there, as did the Danish squad's efforts. So we didn't get to see uh, the teammates of Paul Scheusner, Johan Jorkinen, the Danish driver, take a stint, 28-year-old. And it is now three cars that, uh, or two cars certainly that are retirements and we haven't yet had Mikey Benham's car rejoin the race either there was the contact between Jens Pettersen and Jot van Uta. Jens the German losing the car under brakes into turn six and it's speared left and into the side of the Uta sponsored car side by side between the CD Sport machine from the back of the grid and Mikey Benham so putting on a good show and a great stint we think it was Fabian Leverne for the opening stint. The timing screen now would have us believe, yes, that Laurence Hur has taken it over. So Laverne, every credit to him for bringing the car from 25th position up as high as 4th. Mikey Benham had a drama out of turn 16 where he lost all front end grip, tucked in behind another LMP3 car and maybe a little too committed through 16. So ended up out on the runoff area and then he set about trying to overtake several more cars and that was him slipping by the number two of Tony Wells at about two-thirds distance through his stint. Here was the lead change as Antonin Borger got completely the wrong side of a Ferrari, fell off the road onto the grass creek there at 14, and Jot van Uta, the other side of the Kessel Racing Ferrari, took the race lead. So the Dutchman out front for British squad RLR M Sport. They were then have to, had to problems during the pit stop in trying to repair damage incurred in the opening stint, and the main concern was making sure the number panel was in its correct position. That cost them about 30 seconds. So now that uh, number 14 car with some work to do in the hands of John Ferrano. You can see the damaged number board in that shot as the leaders diced with one another. A an early half spin for Ross Warburton into his stint. Ross taking the car over from Alex Capardia. He was still in the lead at this point, but Ross's car has slipped to second position since then. Good news for him is that John Ferrano is still about 8.4 seconds away, though. So holding on to second place at the moment. And there was another lead change. That was Jacques Wolf darting at the inside of Ross Warburton. And there is the scene at turn 12, where the number four car has been recovered and Nico Ronde hopefully is back in the race. Uh, that could be... This could be a very significant full-course yellow period because what is not allowed to happen is the chasing pack to close the gap on Wolf in the lead of the race. And that was looking like that might be quite tight. Of course, that's time that's been effectively burned when there's no advantage been, been actually made there. So it'll be interesting to see by the end of this uh, remaining 38 minutes of the race, Johnny, just what difference that may have made. So 21 car tucked under the rear wing of the GT leader, running 12th position. Giacomo Puccini, his car has run as high as fourth overall uh, after that first corner incident. And we're 15 seconds away from going back to green. So Eduardo Freitas, I'm sure the race director, will count us Nine, back out. Here we go. Eight, 
seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Green. Track is green. Track is green. With 37 minutes and 39 seconds still to go on the clock, plus any extra time towards the end of the race as well. We don't bolt on an extra lap as such, but of course got to wait for the leader to come round and receive the chequered flag. Great, great example there of... Uh the fact that Ferrari has got a lot of ponies dropped the uh, LMP3 car it's just actually um, seeded track position to the number 40 so interesting okay let's keep an eye on that hopefully no issue for the number 21 sorry the 65 car it is that's uh, gone by him on the road Damien Delafos yeah let's keep an eye on the pace of the lead car caught a little bit cold uh, going green there and maybe just found himself Wrapped in a wrong gear coming out of that turn. Let's wait and see. The pit lane officials are also investigating the pit stop for the GT3 leader. Yeah. Now that could have could have had further implications had the championship not already been sewn up. But nevertheless, it brings into jeopardy potentially a race win for the number eight car. We'll wait and see whether there's any further news on that. We do get these messages up on the screen, and then often there's no further action, just like during a full-course yellow. A lot of the time the speeds are investigated as well, and they will be at the end of that one. I gave you the gaps. That was a little bit misleading, because, of course, they were all under the full-course yellow. It's Absolutely. actually 1.1 seconds between Ross Warburton and John Ferrano, and John is coming. Uh, John has just uh, got the 88 EB Motors car between him and Ross Warburton. It's the RLR car with a red stripe, Ross Warburton, and the RLR car with the copper stripe and the UTEP branding along the side is John Ferrano. Those two battling now, or will be very shortly, for second position. A gap behind them, we'll call that at the line, I think, when we've got the cars up to full speed on a racing lap. But certainly that gap has come down, come down considerably. Yep. It was around 35, 36 seconds. It's now around, and it's 20 seconds now. And it's now James Littlejohn, who is the next man in the queue, with Colin Noble, who was uh, next up, uh, now beginning to close the gap to Littlejohn again. So, Jens Wolf, Ross Warburton, John Farana, James Littlejohn, Colin Noble, Kwanyi, Brown, Lunardi, and Trullier are your top ten. And Alexandre Kwani is back up to speed now, after, uh, having a, a few troublesome laps, very slow coming out of the pit lane. And we assumed after a little while that uh, that was just down to tyre temperature, but then of course Kwani had a moment as well, sliding off the road at turn four. But uh, that's a better time this time from the Swiss driver, 148.2, but most of the drivers ahead of him on the road are going quicker. So a 2.02 from Jacques Wolf, the race leader. That uh, maybe spells a slight error on that lap. Ross Warburton was quicker. Yeah. John Ferrano quick, quicker still. But then the guys to really look out for, Laurence Hur, James Littlejohn and Colin Noble. Uh, it was that uh, error on that lap, if you remember. That's when he was taken by the graph car. It was just the, the, okay, the yes. lap on which we went back to green. He'd actually passed the line and then seemed to struggle to get it underway, which is why it's slightly slower lap for him. Indeed. Should be rather more in the 140s. We'll see that, I'm sure, uh, this time around. So nine seconds to the gap between him and Ross Warburton. 1.3 back to Ferrano. Then it's 17.8 back to her, with uh, Little John almost six seconds back, Noble two seconds back from that. Let's see what occurs here in the next couple of, uh, couple of laps with the two RLR cars with, well... 
the majority of the GT cars in this field uh, duking around with them and actually at the moment quicker as I'm sure they try to get the heat back into the, the, the Michelin tyres. Yes, and uh, John Ferrano pitching the car in at turn number one there with GT cars in front and behind making sure that uh, there is sufficient air flowing over the car so that he's got the grip as he turns in through that fast full commitment right-hander to kick off another lap. We've had 44 of them already and over half an hour still to go. And this pair are being caught now very rapidly indeed by the chasing pack. Just five, three seconds back now as they clear the next sector. Um, well, <laughs> rather these Ferraris and the Porsche dematerialised. That's not going to happen. I think before that issue is dealt with, here they come, is, uh, it's going to be the CD Sport car dragging up to the back of the RLR cars for what will then be a three-car battle for second position. This is going to get very entertaining indeed. Ferrari darting at the inside, maybe, of the Porsche. So Maurizio Mediani on Bacani for fifth position in class. And the Ferrari further back is Ollie Hancock. Oh, lock of the brakes there from Bacani as well. And the CD Sport car is now right under the rear wing of John Ferrano. Bacani coaxing the car vaguely towards the apex. And goes ahead. CD Sport's up to third position. Now three GT cars between her and Ross Warburton for second in the race. Deals with one of them very effectively indeed I think it's a lapped car under his rear wing it certainly isn't James Lesnar John no um, I think it might be is it one of the United Autos it is I think it's 22 Oz. isn't it car 22 that was driven by Jim Maguire it's now Matt Bell at the yes, wheel Matt uh, in spirited form uh, and making his way back up the order rapidly so that car not in the, the same battle as such, not on the same lap but nevertheless Matt Bell will be about the same sort of speed on a single lap pace the Porsche has now dropped behind Maurizio Mediani so Bacani loses one and possibly two places to Mediani and Ollie Hancock in the other red Ferrari two bits of good news meanwhile for Colin Noble no further action in that incident with the number four car that saw both the cars pitched into the gravel and he's now gone back by James Littlejohn so he's just three seconds back from this battle three seconds back from John Ferrano Colin Noble is coming as well now in fifth position yeah so Noble will have a turn of bringing James Littlejohn with him rather than the other way around and they're trying to get closer to John Ferrano who is still fourth the two Ikuria cost cars fifth and sixth third position now up to well up to second rather is Laurence Herr so Herr has got ahead of Ross Warburton the lead gap now 14.7 seconds that's the time to remember this point so it's now a normal one two yes so 14.7 seconds then you've got the uh, pair of RLR cars rather stricken in this batch of GT cars but dragging up to the back again very quickly now Colin Noble Colin Noble in fifth position but looking set fair here if he can uh, do as good a job through the traffic as Leonard Hur did that uh, we could well see Curry Cross up to third here within a lap or two as we just get into the final half hour of the race in what 15, 16 seconds time. Maurizio Mediani over the line and he's tailed by another Ferrari still. So those two cars virtually nose to tail. And finally, we've got to the stage where the two RLR cars are nose to tail with no GT cars between them. Unfortunately for them, uh, right behind them now is. Uh, Colin Noble and James Littlejohn 
as Alessandro Piccani goes through turn five. The Ferraris that I was talking about just ahead of him. I think that still is Ollie Hancock. Yes, it is. OK, so Ollie Hancock has basically unlapped himself now on Maurizio Mediani. Sadly for Ollie, it hasn't given him a position in the GT3 category. Meanwhile, the 59 car of Ross Warburton is still under pressure here. Massive pressure from Colin Noble and James Littlejohn just behind. So Ferrano is through, and now the 59 that was started by Alex Capardia has both Ikuria Cost cars on its tail. Alarm Sport number 14 disappearing up the road as a, the two United Autosport cars were side by side. That was 32, or rather overtaking the Cool Racing 24 car of Alexandre Quani. So that was Colin Brown getting yep. by the Swiss driver. He's up to seventh position now. It's, yes. gonna, it's a good run to the front from Colin Brown as well. And he's next up behind this, uh, this battle, albeit some 16 seconds back. Now it's a matter of just how long can John Ferrano withstand the pressure from Colin Noble. Lead is down to 11.4 seconds after a personal best for Laurence Hoare through the final sector of this 2.9 mile, 4.6 kilometre track. Noble is going to be in a hurry here, he wants to join that battle and he can't do so until he does what, he does what he's trying to do now. Grabs third position from John Ferrano, good clean run there from John. But uh, no answer to the pace of the young Scots. He's through. James Littlejohn will be next up. And now it's all about what can Colin Noble do about the 10-second gap he has to the second-place CD Sport car and the 10-second gap ahead of that to the race leader. Yeah, so 20 seconds to catch on the bronze-graded Jacques Wolfe, remember, as there's more changing, and that is the number two of James Littlejohn getting by... John Ferrano, so Colin Noble got through, John, uh, James Littlejohn a few corners later, and the Curia Cost now run third and fourth, with RLRM Sport fifth and sixth. Sneaky look at the inside, maybe from Dino Lunardi, that was on Alexander Quani. This is for eighth, and we did say there'd be ebb and flow in this, and boy oh boy, there's a lot of overtaking at the moment. Inside the final half an hour, and Jacques Wolf leads by 8.9 seconds from Laurence Hur, the car that was started by Fabien Leverne. And we must remind you that car 30, the CD Sport car, has come from the back of the field an yep. hour and a half ago. And is rapidly catching the race leader. That gap, which was 11 seconds, what, a lap and a half ago, now down to nine. Uh, oh, and Lenardi just goes very wide there, almost completely off the track in his efforts to get by the 24 car watching keenly now to see what lap times can be squeezed out of the chasing cars it's 147 last time around from Wolf 144-1 from Hur, 144-4 from Noble and a 145-5 from Littlejohn so the three chasing cars are all catching the race leader the top four separated by around 20 seconds now through 16, goes to fight for 8th uh, position and Kwani uh, back ahead of Dino Lunardi there with Kwani very wide out of 16, got all four wheels over the white line that will have been spotted I'm sure by the officials we've already had quite big penalties issued for repeat offenders abusing track limits in a variety of places around this lap tight right-hander at 4 is crucial to your top speed through 5 and then the short burst of a straight to 6 it's straight 
in terms of trajectory, but uh, you rise and then fall down the hill towards six, and here's Dino Donati's second opportunity of an overtake, fully locked up and crossed up, actually, for the Frenchman, but he manages to get by Kwani, and that, again, is for eighth position. See if he can hang on to it this time around. Two Norma separated now at the head of the order by just 7.2 seconds. And that was 12 seconds, just about three laps ago. So Lawrence Hurt wasting no time at all. Gap opening up marginally back to Colin Noble. It's now 11 seconds, but I'm sure that's just because Colin was dealing with some traffic. It's uh, also the, to do with the pace of the second-place car that is uh, bringing that gap down uh, substantially and the lack of pace, I'm afraid, from the DB Autosport car being caught by around two seconds a lap at the moment by the chasing CD Sport car. Seven seconds is the gap now. Uh, what can Colin Noble do this time around? Last time a 144.4, this time a 145.6. Remember, he's got the GT cars to deal with right now. True. And he pilots a Ligier, trying to hunt down two Normas, but it's at 11.7 seconds now, the gap between second and third, with James Littlejohn... 1.6 seconds further back. They're under no real pressure from John Ferrano now, who's no. more concentrated on Colin Brown. Who's just passed Ross Warburton and is up into sixth position in the 32 United Autosports car. Colin, who had a fantastic run, um, title run indeed, in an LMP2 car in the Emerson WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, and uh, is relishing, I'm sure, uh, the task here in this fabulous circuit. Of just picking out the lap times, picking up the places. I don't think it's been very long before he's up in the fifth position. No. Very busy race for many drivers already. There's the four car which brought out the full course yellow after it fell out and fell off into the gravel at turn 12. Car four being driven by Nicola Ronde, and they are door handle to door handle, both he and Ross Warburton, and that's the place bagged, although it's of course not a position because the four-car is well, well down now, 20th place. But Ronde quicker on this lap than Ross Warburton. CD Sport Machine of Laurence Hurt has for company Matt Bell, who also is not on the same lap. Now, does Laurence Hurt play the longer game here and allow Matt Bell through? Matt is, is going to be looking to get back on the lead lap. And uh, he's what, uh, in terms of track time, that's six seconds from doing that. It's not quite that simple, of course. And Matt is the first lapped car uh, down in 14th position but what Lawrence Hurd does not want to do is get embroiled in a battle that really doesn't matter Matt Bell down in 14th position might as well let the North Eastern East, uh, man from the UK go yeah, means what more Hurt is bringing Matt Bell towards the race leader, it's 4.2 seconds now is the gap what was that, 11 seconds some little while ago he has at the moment got the legs on Noble, just a tenth or two every lap drawing away. But uh, the close proximity of Matt Bell will not be helping that, I'm sure. Colin Brown, meanwhile, didn't quite pass Ferrano uh, over the line, is still there with the RLRM Sport. This is the battle for fifth position. Gained four seconds on him on the previous lap. There this will goes. surely be the overtake and is. John Ferrano doesn't make that too difficult. And Colin Brown is only 30 seconds off the lead, albeit we're running out of time, 22 minutes left. And meantime, drama for the car that is catching for the lead. Now 2.7 seconds back because there's going to be a stop-and-go penalty for a pit-stop infringement from the 30. So it's a breathe again from DB Autosports. 
But they're going to now be worrying about the gap back to Colin Noble, which is 15 seconds. Well, we did mention that the 30 cars pit stop was being investigated. Oh, there's contact as well coming through the final corner. That was Matt Bell trying to get the lap back. And it was Lawrence Herr trying to fashion himself the inside line at 16 so he could get in the pit lane. So they were slapping sides there coming through 16. And thankfully it didn't un unsettle either of the cars. I don't Graves think Matt realised he was going for the pit lane. Uh, they, oh, we no. saw, by the way, disappearing, disappearing at the bottom of the shot was the lead car. Matt Bell is now just two and a half seconds on the road from unlapping himself and going much quicker than the lead car. We see the adjustment there. DB Autosport Sport lead, of course. Then it's Colin Noble. 14 seconds now is your gap to be thinking about. 15.8 back to James Littlejohn. Colin Brown is now up to fourth. There's a further 10 and a half seconds back from the Ikoria cost pair and that has cost the 30 car deer rejoins the race back down in at least 7th position I think it's going to drop further maybe down towards the end of the top 10 21 minutes left tucked in in front of Alexander Quarny so that will be 8th place for Fabian well it says Fabian Levin it'll still be Lawrence Hoyer because they never had time to change a driver there there's obviously something wrong with the transponder which automatically defaults to Levin Anyway, that can be rectified at a later date. 20 and a half minutes to go. The 30 car then, having had a go at uh, not quite leading the race, but being close to it. And it's been an up and down affair, sadly, for the 30 crew. Qualifying fastest yesterday, but then having that pole position taken away because of a, an issue in, with the regulations about that front splitter. And freed up from the anxiety of whether or not it's a battle for second or first, all of a sudden Colin Noble and James Littlejohn's pace has moved up a notch. It's the fastest lap of his race for James Littlejohn. He's in the wheel tracks of Noble. He's in the 44s as well. Whereas Wolf, uh, Wolf uh, only able to manage a 46.9, now 46.5. That is not going to be good enough if that pace can be maintained by the chasing cars. The Ikuria Cost Cars and the United Autosport car is coming. There's Matt Bell on Wolf's tail. Now, this won't be for the lead, remember. It's merely Matt Bell unlapping himself, but it might potentially cause Jacques Wolf a problem. Hopefully, the team can communicate to him that he can just allow this car by, and it won't be to his cost. What he doesn't want to do is uh, start defending massively to Matt Bell. Doesn't like that's going to happen, though. No, no, Matt Bell sliding up the inside. And it's a clean overtake. On to the lead lap then for the 14th place car, 13th in the class. Confirmed, by the way, that uh, the CD Sport car did join just ahead of the Cool Racing 24 in 8th position. So that cost, well, seven slots, didn't it? And a potential run at the win for Cool Racing. That was a very costly pit stop error. Very costly splitter error as well. It indeed was a problem with the team, but uh, they at least know the car can be quick, and that's a great combination as well. Um, both Laurence Hur and Fabien Levert, the 33 year old Frenchman, having his first action in the Michelin Le Mans Cup this season. So there are the Acuria Cost cars, 79 leading two, and that's for second and third on the road. Colin Noble just a bit to head of James Littlejohn. Yeah, and nibbling tenths per sector out of this lead. It's under 10 seconds now, 9.2 seconds. So we see the 30 car. That was a positional change, I think, just right now, just back ahead of Ross oh, Warburton. Yeah. So up to the seventh for the car just having had that uh, stop and go. 
He's had a memory of that overtake happening uh, earlier on in the stint as well, so a carbon copy of it. Another black and white flag to the number 40 car for abusing track limits, which is the graph machine of Marc Antoine Danilou. Currently in 15th position and 14th in the LMP3 category. And right now, what we've got is Colin Noble and James Lettlejohn are catching the leader. Colin Brown, though, is catching both of them. And Dino Lenardi is catching all of them. Yes. And so, again, we're talking about this pincer movement that was uh, for... Well, Dino Lenardi was down in 10th place when I last made uh, that, used that quote. And it was the first and the 10th place cars effectively pinching together. Well, now Lunardi up to 5th place then. And condensing set to continue yet further. We're talking 22 seconds, that's all, between the 1st and the 5th place cars. And Colin Noble's 8.6 away from Jack Wolfe who's in the 147s, but Noble and Little John far more consistently in the 144s. Colin Brown in that sort of ballpark as well. And Dino Lunardi just set the number 98 car's fastest lap of the race. Just over a tenth off the fastest lap of the race overall so far that went to Alex Capardia in his opening stint. And it was here, I'm pretty sure, last year when the 98 took victory, yes, because... Right because of, a, I think, a post-race drama when the number three car was either disqualified or given an in-race penalty. Yes, I think is Leona Her, uh, uh, rather, uh, no, it's not, it's the 24 car going ahead of Ross Warburton. Kwani is up into eighth position. Gap now, by the way, for the lead, down to six and a half seconds. Colin Noble through in a 144.5 to a 146.7 from the leader, but again behind... That gap is still compressing. Uh, James Littlejohn not being dropped by Colin Noble. He's just 1.4 seconds back. Colin Brown more or less hold station then, but again in the 142s from Dino Lonardi. He's with Colin Brown now. Yeah, and it was the 98 car take that took victory 12 months ago. The three car won the race on the road, but then was disqualified afterwards. So Eric de Donker and Andy Merrick victorious on that occasion. Clearly the 98 car is very strong around this circuit because 12 months later it's up to fifth place and uh, the best lap time that it's offered all race has just been done by French teammate to Eric de Donker, Dino Lunardi. Two seconds off the back of Colin Brown who's lighting up the timing screen as well for United Autosports. There is Jacques Wolf at turn 12, turning right and plummeting downhill. He's 5.7 seconds ahead, just in the background there, creeping into shot was Colin Noble and James Littlejohn. Littlejohn is right with him. Littlejohn at the moment looks the pacer of the pair. Just exactly what is the game here? Is it just an all-out run with pace, or are you just keeping something left in those tyres for a final effort here? 5.8 seconds uh, is the gap, as Johnny says. The top five, 17.7 seconds between them. Biggest gap of the lot at the moment is Colin Brown attacking a 10-second gap back from James Littlejohn. Wolf, Noble, Littlejohn, Brown, Lenardi, Norma, then the Ligiers... Number 79, 2, 32 and 98. Cracking stuff. Another 1.5 seconds gained by Colin Noble that time across the timing line. So Wolf now nursing a 4.1 second lead over Colin Noble and James Littlejohn. And a smoky Colin Noble though. So that is now potentially a problem or is it just big, late breaking? Big lock up. Big okay, lock up. that's all right. That is, I, 
just caught a glimpse of the car at slow speed with smoke pouring out the back of it. But uh, well, how do the expressions appear in the Curia Cost car? They don't seem overly concerned by that. And we shouldn't be surprised to see Colin Noble pushing that hard. James Littlejohn matching him for speed, certainly just 0.8 of a second again off the back of Noble into turn six. And the lead margin's down to 3.7 now. Top five, 15 and a half seconds, 13 and a half minutes to go. And it's, it, we could find three, four of these cars together right at the end of this race. It's almost certain as the 51 car is pitting. Maurizio Mediani, that is certainly not a routine pit stop. And further investigation for the pit stops for car 8 and car 22. 8, I'd already mentioned, the Kessel yeah. Racing Ferrari of Giacomo Piccini and his teammate Sergio Pianazzola. 22 is Matt the Bell. United Autosports car. No further action on either of those, uh, we're told. So there's no further dramas in the bank, if you like, for the number 8, the leading car in the race in GT3, and the championship winners, of course. Under 13 minutes to go. Two and a half seconds is the lead gap. 0.6 of a second back to James Littlejohn in third. 9.1 seconds back uh, to Colin Brown in fourth. 1.5 seconds back to Dino Lenardi in fifth. And three GT3 cars together on the screen. In reality, they're a little bit further apart from one another, but the battle could be on for the podium positions, Marco Ciocci probably has second place sewn up but Andrea Pacini is pushing in fourth position to try and unsettle Giorgio Cernagiotto four very quick Italians out front in their Ferraris this is the lead three, uh, the two Acuria Costa Nielsen cars, there's the rear end of the leader, we're measuring now this, this lead in tenths, top three cars, 2.1 seconds apart and it's the Acuria Cost cars at the moment that may not have the track position, but they do have the momentum. Yeah. James Littlejohn at the moment actually looking the quicker of the two. Yeah, going very well and chasing down the man from Edinburgh, Colin Noble. Meanwhile, side by side for one of the Graf cars, 65 possibly, because Damon Delafosse has been on a bit of a tear. Yeah, was that a move on Christine England? No, that was through yeah, going past Quani. Okay. Trouble for the Brooksby car on pit lane. See the damage there to the front of the car. But uh, that looks like that might be the end of what had been a very promising run indeed from the number four Brooksby International car. For Truyer, Eric Truyer now up to eighth place. And here's your lead battle. So 21, DB Autosport, Jack Wolf under huge pressure now from Colin Noble, the uh, man from Edinburgh, as I say, 22 years old. He has... 30-year-old James Littlejohn on his tail as well. One, two, three, absolutely together over the line and into turn one for the 58th time. 0.3 of a second, 0.4 of a second back to Littlejohn. And Colin Brown desperately be part of this lead battle as well as just put in the car's best lap of the race, car 32. He's back in fourth. And that is because this is now slowing up the Courier Cost cars. That, to remember, that was 20 seconds, the top five what, two or three laps ago? It's 7.9 seconds now, with just ten and a half minutes remaining. Up the inside goes Colin uh, Noble. He'll take the lead of the race. James Littlejohn just tags the rear left of the Norma in his quest to go by as well. He's made it through. The Courier Cost cars will try to make good their escape, but yellow flags don't turn 15 at the moment. 
thought contact was avoided between Little John that and was a, just a brush, I think. Maybe. I don't think it will affect Little John uh, after that. And uh, we've only got ten more minutes of the race to go. But Jack Fourth in one moment there loses two spots. And he's now going to have Colin Brown shortly for Company 2. What happened at 15 then to bring out the yellow flags? There was a brush, there was, a con there was some contact between Ross Warburton in the 59 car and 23. Christian England. Was it? Okay, yes. Uh, yeah, I think it was Christian. It certainly wasn't 22. No. The other car from the United is 32. And it definitely wasn't Colin Brown either. So, yes, that would certainly fit. And therefore, Christian England going for a move on Ross Warburton. Yeah, it was Christian. It's the golf car. Okay. And Ross Warburton, unfortunately, losing uh, a full of time on that lap as he recovered. So the spin. So topsy-turvy stuff. Two battles then to think about now. One is the lead battle between now the two Courier Cost cars. The other battle is the battle for the remaining podium position with nine minutes to go. And that's because Colin Brown is herring towards uh, the third-place DB Autosports car. Now just 1.5 seconds behind. But with Dino Lenardi right on his tail. Gap now between the top five, five seconds. Ferrari through four and five uh, had to use the racing line there and Colin Noble giving little, little choice but to follow the 488 through. Now will be the opportunity to overtake and I'm sure James Littlejohn will sneak up as close as he can to looking, the back of Colin looking, Noble. Looking. Well, yeah, partly for the lead but also to make use of the space underneath the Ferrari. He didn't want to get caught behind the 488 out of six. A lot behind here because we've now got a nose-tail battle for third position as well. This is the lead battle. Going to see anything stupid, I'm sure, between the teammates, but all equally, if James Littlejohn is faster than Colin Noble, which at times around this lap he's proven to be, they're in a bit of a quandary potentially here as to maybe set James Littlejohn free or just allow them to run nose to tail. They're not as quick though as the gaggle behind, which is virtually three abreast. That was Jack Wolf, Colin Brown, and possibly Dino Lenardi. Yes, it was yep. involved too. It's uh, mugged him, I think. He, he be, should be checking to see if he's still got his wallet there after that uh, little tussle. Has he emerged from that corner ahead? No, he hasn't, because that is Colin Brown with Dino Lenardi. That is your new battle for third position. Colin Brown has come from the bottom of the top ten all the way up now to third position, but he's now under pressure from Dino Lenardi for the final podium position. And neither should we count out these guys getting up with the Akuria Cost guys because they've no. been consistently quicker over the last half an hour. Seven and a half minutes to go. Noble, Littlejohn, Brown, Lenardi, Wolf. So we can start talking now about the top four. Five seconds almost dead between those four. And another move set to happen in the near future. Eric Trier, I reckon, on John Ferrano for seventh position. But you can forgive us for concentrating on this fight to decide the podium and also for fourth and fifth places. Although Jacques Wolf having fallen to fifth, that will probably be the best he can hope for now. 19, nearly 20 seconds back to Laurence Herr in sixth place. But an inter-team scrap between the Akuriakos-Nielsen cars with Colin Noble just ahead of James Littlejohn. Colin Brown catching the two of them and Dino Lenardi is tailing the American as well. So four cars, uh, all of which are Ligiers uh, now, are out front on this lap 60. Six and a half minutes to go in the final Michelin Le Mans Cup race of the year. It's been a cracker so far. And still, it's very difficult to predict who's going to win this. Colin Noble, though, into some clear air now, is edging out to about a second gap out front. And that might be the, the 
advantage he needs over James Littlejohn to allow this race to stabilise. Been a great end of the season for the Currycross Nielsen team. The uh, car leading the race at the moment, uh, finishing uh, to this point with second, then the win at Spa leading this race. James Littlejohn and uh, Tony Wells second last time out, looking for their first win of the season. Uh, cracking end of the season from uh, Sven Thompson's brave group. And uh, Colin Noble just edging away now. Yes, But yeah. they are being caught. They are being caught by Lenardi and Brown. Oh, certainly. And uh, I think that's the reason why Colin Noble's wasting no time at all in checking out from James Littlejohn, something he's not been able to do uh, over the last few laps purely because of the traffic they've been negotiating and, of course, needing to get by Jacques Wolfe earlier on. They've now done that, and Colin Noble, it appears, is able to lap a little quicker than James Littlejohn. He was four-tenths of a second faster uh, on that 4.6-kilometre lap. So if he can continue to the tune of that, well, then again, it's starting to condense once more down to 0.7. So this is the yin and yang of a lap, then, that everybody is encountering. I, I'm, I'm not calling this yet. This is uh, the, the, the two chasing cars are well capable here of making this a four-car battle for the win, let alone a podium position. 2.1 is the gap between Little John and Colin Brown. That's second to third, and Dino Lunardi again, only another seven-tenths back as there are cars side-by-side arriving at 12, and that is the race leader, uh, Colin Noble, overtaking 14? Yeah, John Ferrano, I reckon that was, putting a lap on the RLRM Sport car. Or was it Ross Warburton? It's Ross. It's, it's Ross. Ross. In the, with the copper detailing. So into 15 go the Courier Cost Nielsen cars, all four in the same shot there because the red and black car is Dino Lunardi fourth. Colin Brown is the car just in front in the United Autosports colours. So Colin now able to get by Ross Warburton on the exit of 16. Four minutes to go. So with Dino Lunardi clearing that uh, Ross Warburton car. The four cars at the end of that straight are one to four, and the gap between the four of them, 2.7 seconds, four minutes to go. Remember, 25 minutes ago, 30 seconds between a lot of them? Oh, yeah. Astounding stuff. Some. Brilliant racing here. Yeah. Dino Lenardi now having a look at Colin Brown. I just wonder uh, if he's just watching whether or not Colin's pace is bringing him forward. Don't make the risk there. See whether or not there's an opportunity in the final uh, couple of laps here. But uh, th- these guys are absolutely duking it out. Three and a half to go now, so we'll do the rest of this lap and one more, maybe two more. Maybe two. Yeah, it's going to be close. And let's just enjoy the fight in real time rather than working out how much more we've got to go. There are no gaps in the top four that's number more than a second right now. Indeed. 0.9 per second back to James Littlejohn, 0.8 back to Colin Brown, 0.475 back to Dino Lenardi, 2.2 seconds the gap, three minutes to go. Noble, Littlejohn, Brown, Lenardi, Kost Nielsen, Kost Nielsen, United Autosports and Motorsport 98. And James Littlejohn still finding speed because he's just set the car's best first sector time on this lap. So impressive there from the Londoner. And in 14th position, bear in mind, still the GT3 lead is held by Giacomo Puccini. That's far less likely to change than this leading quartet. Under two seconds the gap now. Not for the lead, for the top four. And with no real caution that's affected this, 
This has been cracking green flag running from these four guys. Wonderful, wonderful stuff for the season finale at the Michelin Le Mans Cup. They're going across the line with two minutes and 15 on the clock. It takes you one minute and 44 to get around here. So starting the penultimate lap now, Colin Noble, James Littlejohn, who is on the defensive, and Colin Brown overlapping. Dino Lenardi might be the man to look into all of this and overtake the two of them. They're in the same order, but Colin Brown darting to the right. He can't do it at turn four, though. So playing a bit of a defensive game in defence of his position, but also playing a bit of rear gunner here as well. Perhaps unwittingly, but Colin Noble has pressed that escape button again, hasn't he? Get out of here. Safest place to be, you could argue, with the Red River Sport-backed uh, Ikuria Cost machine then still in second position, with in third, United Autosports' Colin Brown. And big grins down at the Ikuria Cost team then. They're enjoying this. Yeah, spotting Roger Bennett there, superbike racer. He's one of the team managers with Ikuria Cost. Nielsen enjoying that thoroughly. You'll know about wheel-to-wheel -wheel racing. Well, certainly, and we've had plenty of this. And as the United Autosports car still got the opportunity, there was contact at six, I'm afraid, between Jacques Wolf and the 77 Ferrari of Andrea Pacini. That's the fifth-place car uh, of Wolf. That, what is that going to cost him in terms of fifth place? It's 11 seconds back to the CD Sport car in sixth, but we can't worry about that at the moment because we've got under a minute to go now and under one and a half seconds between these four. Well, the other concerning thing about Pacini's Ferrari was that he was under pressure from Giorgio Cernigiotto, and that's for a podium in the GT3 category, just 0.8 of a second between them now because Pacini was delayed through six. This is Colin Brown's opportunity, surely, on James Littlejohn. Out of 16 they go. United Autosports car has the inside line now for turn number one. James Littlejohn stuck on the outside. What can he do? If anything, the Acuria Cost car looks slightly better down the tubes here, but Colin Brown and Dino Lenardi's going to tuck in no he can't quite do it I thought the, the hole generated by Colin Brown might benefit Dino Lunardi. it's just the one place gain though for the American sublime run through the final turn there from Colin knew exactly where he wanted to put that car put it there uh, absolutely clean beautifully done second place United Autosports and Colin Brown all about momentum, all about putting the car in a gap that hasn't yet emerged, but you preempt it, and that's exactly what Colin Brown did. So, up to second position, up to second place on this final lap, but James Littlejohn is not done yet. Uh, but neither is Colin Brown. Could he? Could he do this again? Could he do it through the final turn? Uh, excellent stuff from all these four guys. Absolutely clean as a whistle. This lead battle has been over the last 20 minutes. Excellent, excellent stuff. LMP3 racing at its finest. I think he's relying on a slight error from Colin Noble that are like hen's teeth, and he's very wide indeed out of turn 12. So that might mean the opportunity swings back in the favour and James Littlejohn and possibly Dino Lenardi for the podium. We can't, all, we can't fit them all on for this final podium of the season. They would love it if that was the case, but we're going to have to lose one in this leading quartet. It's been tremendous entertainment for the last two hours, pretty much. The final event then of the 2018 Michelin Le Mans Cup season, and it's going to be all about the final step on the podium because Colin Noble will win this. Colin Brown in second position is going to come close but just fall short, and third position will go to James Littlejohn by a nose from Dino Lunardi. Fantastic stuff for the season finale for Ikuria Cost Nielsen. Well done, Colin Brown made a hell of a race of that. Ikuria uh, Cost Nielsen, two cars on the podium, two crews on the podium. Hard luck, Dino Lunardi in Motorsport 98. Uh, a run that really deserved, deserved at least a podium finish. 
Uh, Kessel Racing come home with Giacomo Puccini uh, to take another win and to, to further secure, put more nails uh, in the, uh, the board holding up the thing that says champions of GT3. They'll be going to Le Mans, Kessel Racing comes home in 13th position overall home as well comes CD Sports with the number 30 car United All Sports, Christian England uh, leapfrogs as well the number 21 car is off uh, right at the end of the race they come home in 7th, then Graf uh, Racing, Cool Racing and RLRM Sports after dominating that uh, middle part of the race uh, come back with nothing better than 10th for John Ferrano there were some puzzling expressions down in the Kessel Racing Ferrari garage there. Almost, well, they just seemed a bit perplexed, almost as if there's a decision still to come. I hope about not about the 8 car. There was a message on the screen to say something about the 77 is going to be investigated, so maybe Andrea Pacini and his podium is under question. But just 0.6 of a second off the back of Pacini at the flag was Giorgio Cernagiotto. And, of course, uh, he was racing with Manuela Gosner in this race for the first time this year. Well, we get to see uh, the Akurikos Nielsen guys again later today, of course, in the four hours of the European Le Mans series here at the Algarve International Circuit. Don't forget that uh, gets underway in just about an hour and a half's time, Johnny. Uh, but uh, what a great race that was for the number 79 car. Colin Noble brings it home. Alistair McCaig dogged in his pursuit of keeping his co-driver in the hunt. And boy, did he pick up the baton. That brings a Kirikos Nielsen 79 crew home to, towards the end of their season. A moment in a, uh, a, a moment just now about that but with two wins in the Le Mans Cup they're in contention and in the mix for race wins in the ELMS uh, they go from here to Asia for a two-car effort which features a number of these drivers uh, with the Asia Le Mans series and a first adventure uh, to the east for Ikaria Cost Nielsen uh, this is a team we will be talking about for some time yet in international sports car racing these are well, I was going to say man with a plan, men with a plan, uh, because the 79 car brings home another race win. Yeah, and uh, tremendous effort it was too. They are in a bit of a rich vein of form at the moment, and congratulations then to them obviously missing out on the title, but uh, with some race wins along the way and some exciting plans afoot for 2019 and beyond big hug there between Alistair McCaig and Colin Noble, victorious again and thumbs up for the photographs, we'll be seeing them on the podium very shortly indeed Sven, uh, Sven Thompson the team manager at Nielsen Racing what a fine effort they've made of sh a shift across from uh, radicals etc, lots of one mate racing uh, that uh, the guys have been doing with small prototypes to LMP3 and they've become a force in this paddock cars always look immaculate and a well a real gaggle of talented young drivers as well coming with them Giacomo Puccini he'll be pretty happy with that Certainly. finishes off the season big smile from Giacomo there you can see those graphics the silhouettes of the Le Mans Cup circuits on the title winning GT car and congratulations to Sergio Giotto as well, Giorgio Sonagiotto rather to for his opening stint in the number eight car and putting that GT3 leading machine in the right place really for then 
not exactly an easy run to the finish, but Giacomo Puccini, a very comfortable, very able GT3 pilot. Well, say so we talked a little bit about Jürgen Vanutet and his prospects moving forward. Um, I tend, I'm tending to look at Colin Noble now and think, who's watching his progress moving mm. forward here? Will we see Colin back in LMP3 next year? Will he be on the call list for LMP2 teams? Looking for talented silver drivers, remember, in this Pro-Am formulae. Let's wait and see. But uh, the, the drives we've seen from this team in the last two or three races, fantastic stuff. Well, yeah, exactly. Two you know, back-to-back victories, as you say, hopefully will have not gone, gone unnoticed. Let's hear from Alistair and from Colin now with Charlie George in the pit lane. Well, congratulations, guys. Second win of the season. That was quite a race. It certainly was. I mean, that's got to go down as the closest race of the year. Um, top four cars split by one and a half, two seconds. Um, I just spent my whole stint battling with Tony and Michael Benham and every lap was a fight and uh, Colin had a bloody good fight in his hands as well he did a great job so uh, it was good fun and a great result for the team as well having um, two of you on the podium yeah uh, 1-3 I think it was it turned out then but yeah I got a little bit close to the end and a big flat spot uh, from about full second half of my stint so uh, I just had to kind of try to drive at the pace of the guys were going behind I knew I was stronger at the last turn so that was going to be the biggest bit where they could overtake me well done. Enjoy celebrating. Thank you. And they certainly will on the podium in a few seconds' time. Well done yeah. also to Colin Brown after that tremendous uh, stint to finish his race, sharing the car with Naj Hussein, and also to the podium, James Littlejohn and Tony Wells and Akira Kos car to join the winners. The highlights, though, started... Uh, just over two hours ago when the track was partly dry, partly damp after a lot of overnight rain and a relatively untidy start. The front two rows were in formation, but then darting up the inside there where there is no grip was the Keo racing machine new to the championship. And Keo, sadly, getting slapped in the side there by Adrian Schiller, who had nowhere to go. And it meant that Paul Scheusner was a retirement on the spot. We ended up with four cars not making the finish. The other one, one of the other ones was the three of Jens Pettersson after it picked up some damage, after Pettersson lost the car under brakes into turn six and slammed into the side of Jop van Utert. So, Akira Kost Nielsen's win, backed up by a third place finish, and down the hill towards turn number one was the scrap between Mikey Benham, who had a good, actually, opening stint, although the odd mistake here and there, and the bigger problem for the 25, was the track limits and the abuse track limits at turns 1, 4 and 15, and it resulted in a 20-second penalty. And in the end, we didn't see the car again for its second stint. Possibly that was Landon Racing electing not to run again because they would have gone at least one lap down, possibly two. Leonard Hugenboom not able to take charge of the Jens Pettersen car. That was carrying a bit too much damage after its clash with Jotman Utert. There was the Jotman Utert car darting by the cool racing machine of Alexandre Quani. Ross Warburton, who was the race leader at the time, had a big moment out of turn four, which he managed to gather up. He taking that car over from Alex Capardia after a great opening stint. Jacques Wolf, though, was able to dart past the 59 into turn six. And that gave DB Autosport a brief lead. Unfortunately, though, they had further dramas. The Brookspeed car clashing with the race winner eventually, remember, Colin Noble. So that was a heart-in-mouth moment for a Kost Nielsen. Colin Noble having to take the car through the gravel trap at turn four. 
and it meant the number four car ended up as a retirement. It brought out the full course yellow for the best part of ten minutes whilst that car was retrieved. Side-by-side -side action as the Akira Cost Nielsen cars were able to get by Jacques Wolf for what was at the time the race lead. Colin Noble through first, James Littlejohn then following suit and getting by Wolf in the number 21 machine, which eventually finished in seventh spot for the two Frenchmen, Wolf and Schatz. And there was the chequered flag, a 1-3 for Akira Costs and United Order Sports to the podium. Second position for Naj Hussein and Colin Brown after a tremendous stint from the American Americans, rather. Well, guys, you sewed up the championship last time out at Spa. You may have taken it easy this weekend, but clearly not. Another win, win number five. Congratulations. Yeah, it was great. It was great again. Sergio did an amazing start today. It was when I saw him P5 after the first lap, <laughs> I didn't understand where he passed, but uh, he managed very well. The conditions were very, very difficult. Uh, he gave me a perfect car with the team that made an amazing job as usual. So P1, P3 for Kessel in the race and in the championship is amazing. We are so happy. Well done, guys. We'll let you get to the podium. Thank you. Sergio Pianazzola and Giacomo Pacini. Sergio to the left and, and with a thumbs up there and Giacomo Pacini to the right of shot who did the second stint. Well, if you caught us late and you're looking to uh, have a quick look back on perhaps on the YouTube channel and just fast forward for the really good bits, give yourself about two hours because <laughs> that was a cracker. I mean, it, you know, the, the, the high quality of racing, particularly to the flag, but also the drama as some of the less experienced racers got to grips with what proved to be incredibly tricky uh, conditions at the start of the race. That one didn't quit. Excellent stuff. Thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah, uh, really a nice way to end the season and look forward to the 2019 Michelin Le Mans Cup events. We already have a calendar which uh, kicks off again next April with the first event at Paul Ricard, just the same as 2018. And just as we're going to a new track for the ELMS next year, or a track that we've not visited for a number of years, Barcelona, so too will the Michelin Le Mans Cup as well are in support. So delighted that we get a Spanish and a Portuguese round in 2019. So some drivers are ready for the podium, others we are waiting for. I think it's Nad Hussein and Colin Brown who have been slightly delayed on their route to the podium, here we go. There's Colin. Uh, he was he enjoyed that very clearly. Yes. I'm sure Naj is saying will be that's uh, gonna be Naj's first podium, isn't it? Uh, I think it will be. Absolutely. Uh, but, uh, big smiles on the faces of all four of the uh Kurikos Nielsen guys. And understandably so. And therefore a strong result for British teams, although United Autosports are Anglo American. And we will hear when, uh, well, when United Autosports stand on the top step of the podium. It's the American national anthem we are here, but they are based uh, for these efforts in the ELMS and the Michelin Le Mans Cup in Yorkshire. Still discussions ongoing. And then in a moment or two, we will do two separate podiums, one for the GT3 category and one for LMP3. But having thought the Normas might well do well in this race, and we had at one point... Almost one and two. The best placed in the end was only fifth. 64 laps completed. 
Ikiri Kost Nielsen win it with their number 79 car ahead of United Autosports by only three quarters of a second and 1.6 seconds adrift. So a second back from the 32 was the other Ikiri Kost car. Motorsport 98, a win here last year. It was a fourth place finish in 2018 for Eric Dodonka and Dino Lenardi. The CD Sport car finishes in fifth place. The car of Laurence Hur and Fabian Leverne. And in sixth position was the number 23 car driven by Christian England and his teammate Richard Mines. Again, a good result for the Yorkshire squad. So United Autosports cars finished second, sixth and twelfth in the order. DB Autosport, a, car, a team that brought a couple of cars here this weekend. Sadly, one far too badly damaged after a Nicola Molini frightening accident in practice yesterday. So their lone car finished in seventh position ahead of the best place graph machine of Eric and Adrian Truyer and then the cool racing car ninth and RLRM Sport were tenth to the podium then in third position it's Tony Wells and James Littlejohn for Ikuria Cost Nielsen second place in a moment or two the trophies to be presented to Naj Hussein and Colin Brown and then we'll get the winners up. Yeah, double podium finish of the season for this pair as well. And uh, hope you see them come back. Yeah, a bit of a swagger in the step there at Colin Brown. Nigel no, saying, enjoy that moment. Probably getting used to this. Indeed. in P3s, but... Uh, it's, it's great to see Colin regularly in oh, Europe yeah. and regularly having fun as well Absolutely. with success. So there he goes onto the second step of the podium. But it is a win. Two in a row now after victory at Spa a month ago for Colin Noble and Alistair McCaig. The silver and bronze pairing. They will be the reflective pair that they are. Wonder what could have been had they not had actually a pretty dire middle part of the season. But finishing the year is the national anthem for the winning team. I was about to say, they finished the year with a second place and a double win. And, uh, well, with the DKR Engineering car, the Championship winning car retiring, that means the points gap comes down pretty dramatically. Mm. Um, rather flattered the DKR team at, uh, until this point, but uh, a more realistic, I think, reflection of form at the end of the year. Trophies being handed out by the president of the Automi Automobile Club de l'Ouest, Pierre Fillon. Uh, man in the glasses and the dark coloured Nielsen Racing Ikaria Kos shirt there is Roger Bennett the DKR didn't have a great Le Mans week did they either with uh, the races the two separate 55 minute races that happened on Thursday and Saturday so that maybe set their championship away from the ideal they then put it back on track with victory at Red Bull Ring but um, just did enough at Spa. Uh, I don't think they were going all out for the win. And a couple of it, costly errors for Jens Pedersen in the opening stint. 
meant that they just bagged enough points and thankfully came here with the pressure off. And thank goodness they did because it ended up being a non-finish for the number three car. Champagne sprays though. And surprise, surprise, the Akira Cost team aren't really ganging up on the United Autosports. They're instead uh, focused on spraying each other. It's been a tough season. It has. But um, big grin from Sven uh, down in the Akira Cost garage. It'd be a little bit gutted they didn't get the, the first and second result, but a 1 3 is a, is a good replacement. 103 points, then Jens Petersen and Leonard Hugenboom came with that total. They don't increase it. Alistair McKay and Colin Noble get closer to it with their victory. Tony Wells and James Littlejohn finished third in that race and third in the championship ahead of Adrian Schiller, Mark Antoine, Danny Lou, and fifth place for Eric Dodonka, getting good points with his teammate Dino Lenardi in this final event of the year. They finished fourth in this race. We'll also get a look at the point standings in GT3 in a moment or two. Good drive from Laurence Hur, sharing this time with Fabian Laverne. He finished fifth on the road and seventh place in the championship it is. This is the teams in LMP3, DKR Engineering, again on 103. That didn't change through the course of the weekend. Curia Cost, though, second and third in the championship, and that will be a delight, I'm sure, to Sven Thompson. Graf Racing fourth with their number 40 car. That's the Truier father and son duo. And Motorsport 98 bagged fifth place in the championship. The Belgian outfit for Eric de Donker, who shared one race with uh, Andy Merrick at the start of the year and the rest with Frenchman Dino Lunardi. There the scene again. Fantastic sight. It's and, a uh, beautiful circuit. The tower, the what five, six-storey tower, is... Uh, well attended on that top deck because you get such a good view, not only at Turn 6, but the rest of the track pretty much. Well, you've got just about enough time to go and get yourself a snack, go and get yourself a cup of coffee and a little <laughs> beverage. Join us again um, as we wait for the GT3 podium because we've got another four hours of racing here at uh, the Algarve International Circuit later this afternoon with the European Le Mans Series and their season finale, and that looks like being a cracker as well. But... Uh, about to welcome the GT3 winning cruise to the podium, Johnny. And again, this will be in reverse order. So Claudius Giovoni and Andrea Pacini finishing in third position. And it was only just the case ahead of Manuela Gosner and Giorgio Cernichiotto. That was the fight we were concentrating on, really, to the flag was the fight for third position. The other two spots were more or less secured at about uh, 90 minutes in. Pierre Giuseppe Perazzini and Marco Ciocci for AF Corsa finish in second position and they take their rightful spot then after a firm handshake to the guys on the other side of the podium for Kessel and it is the Swiss squad Kessel Racing who are going to Le Mans next year after Sergio Pianazzola and Giacomo Pacini won the championship but it is them on the top of the step the top step of the podium in this race in isolation as well so their points tally will be Extreme. I'm sure we'll get a look at the points in a moment or two. But first of all, the national anthem of Switzerland for Kessel for Racing.
it's a Kessel 1-3, much like Ikuri costed in LMP3 and sandwiched between the two AF Corsa of Italy. And well done to Pier Giuseppe Perazzini and Marco Ciocci for their hard work at the wheel of that car. Claudio Schiavone and Andrea Pacini will receive trophies first of all, though. And then we will get the opportunity to spray champagne for the second time. It looks pretty chilly up there on the podium it right now. It does look pretty chilly. Um, and getting the trophies from representative of, of course, the championship partner, Michelin. All the cars in both classes are Michelin rubber. Some happy, happy faces, particularly for Kessel Racing. Yet another Swiss flagged efforts in endurance racing. Cars already out, by the way, for the for a next race. And as I was alluding to the fact that it's been a jam-packed schedule for the spectators here during our TCR race. But uh, the champagne will spray and uh, fly for the Michelin Michelin uh, Element Cup. Winners, second place and third place finishers too. And we can now have a quick look at the GT3 Drivers' Championship because 138 points is the total that Giacomo Puccini and Sergio Pianazzola get to. Christoph Ulrich and Maurizio Mediani on 83. They were second in the title hunt and fell off, the, well, uh, didn't manage to finish on the podium in that individual event. Andrea Puccini and Claudio Schiavone third in that race and third in the championship ahead of Marco Ciocci and Pier Giuseppe Perazzini. Very close actually for third in the championship, just a point in it. Well done to John Hartzorn and Oli Hancock who finished in sixth position. Matteo Cressoni and Murad Sultanov not here this weekend. And the teams championship will take a very similar look to it. The Swiss squad and spirit of race also from Switzerland dominant in the championship but it was the eight car that sealed the title at Spa a month ago they'll go to Le Mans next summer 183 points plays 83 for Spirit of Race and the sister Kessel Racing Ferrari crew on 79 just a point ahead of the AF Corsa machine of Italy the EB Motors Porsche finishing in fifth position so that's it for Michelin Le Mans Cup. We've only got about an hour off before we start our build-up for the European Le Mans series. For the moment, though, from Graham Goodwin and Johnny Palmer, it's bye-bye. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMans.com.